Folks, I hope everybody's uh, comfortable now. They sat down, they got their drinks, and they're, they're, whatever they're going to partake of for this episode of Dead Kids of Derry. Um, we're zooming in like this helicopter shot in this fantastic masterpiece of a film. I love, I believe somebody here didn't like this movie, I think. I could be wrong. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, think um, I have a, this is James from... You know, culture shock. Hello, yes. dead kids. Uh, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with this movie. Um, being that I'm a huge book reader, and Stephen King is one of my favorites, I actually read The Shining before I ever was allowed to watch The Shining. Um, and being young and impressionable, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, "The fuck did they do to this thing?" I was I was a little upset, like Mr. King was upset with some of Kubrick's choices for the plot. Yeah. However, fast forward to 2019, and I watched Doctor Sleep, and Mike Flanagan somehow made me fall in love with this movie too. Retroactively. Look, huh? as, as, Doctor as, as Sleep was really good, though. Yeah, yeah, as a, as a package deal. Now, now I respect it as as a pe- as one half of a whole, and I have a lot more um, love for this film than I did when I was younger. That's for sure. I always acknowledged that it was visually fucking stunning. Like yeah. like Kubrick, it's a Kubrick movie. It's it's going to be mind bogglingly good looking. Uh, more so than the look, though, everything about it. I love it. I'm a Gigantor fan. The Shining's one of those films that you'll talk to, like, a horror fan. Or, or not not a horror fan, rather. You'll go, and there's somebody who shits all over horror movies and says, oh, they're for fucking stupid people. Horror movies are garbage. And you go, do you like The Shining? And they usually say, yeah, I like The Shining. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my situations, at least. Daily. This- this really falls into a category of horror movies that, <coughs> that truly do transcend the genre or the the middle of the road of the genre. Yeah. Like there's a, and it's a very small list of films that that live in this echelon. We're talking like The Shining, Exorcist, Jaws, like stuff that's just too damn good. That people don't want to always admit is horror. Like, there's always, like, that asterisk at the end of it. Yeah, it's a horror film, but... And it's like, no, no. It's a horror film. It's just horror done as masterwork. Right. That's 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 what I consider it, you know? It's like Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie, even though they classify it more psychological thriller. Oh, I would absolutely put Silence of the Lambs in the same echelon as this film and the yeah. other films I listed, hands down. I mean, it won a fucking Oscar. It's like one of the only horror films to ever win Best Picture. 
So, and yeah, it is a horror film. I, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that, Matt. It's a horror film. It's not a psychological thriller or any of that horseshit. It's a horror film. Shelley Duvall turned into a horror film later in life. Olive oil. <laughs> she, you know, olive oil. She was born to play olive oil. Yes, she was. She looked just like was. it. There's Absolutely. no better than her. It's, for- it's almost, if if the Popeye cartoon hadn't existed prior, like if they modeled olive oil after her, it wouldn't surprise me. I heard recently there was like a tie-in, a uh, little conspiracy theory deal where they think that Danny Turns was like molested, and I, you do kind of get that weird vibe. Well, I mean, it's the abuse. Well, he has right? his arm pulled out of the socket, but they yeah. think that he was pulling on more than just his arm. I, I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I don't even, I don't even think <clears throat> trying to infer that. I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm missing something that they're trying to read between the lines on, but I've never gotten that vibe. The children are talking. I know, you know, nowadays you never know, though, but with all these people that, you know, come forward 50 years later talking about, oh, well, well, I was on the set of this movie or that movie, you know, this one touched me inappropriately, you know, and then that's that's all it takes is one person to say it doesn't matter if it's 20 years later, screw the statute of limitations, you know, they're going to they're all they're seeing is dollar signs and they think they're going to cash in and hit that cash cow. Well, if you're molested as a kid, dude, that's still, yeah. You, I, you should still be able to come forward. Many that's I think stuff like that is one of those things you should be able to come forward. There yeah, should definitely. You should definitely be able to come forward to, uh, with it too. But yeah. you know, some of these people that come forward just want that fifteen minutes of fame too. So it's you know separating the truth from the ones that aren't. No, I hear you. Well, that's the power of proof and evidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. I wouldn't trust anything with anything with the judicial system right now. No, or any fair. Jack Nicholson is a big fan of the judicial system. <laughs> hey, but they freed they freed Bill Cosby. Come on, he freed himself. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, to put him pops. He's an interesting. That's the Shining in itself. Prison Yard Shining. You know, anybody see the documentary they did a few years back on this? The Room Two Three Seven documentary. I, I actually just watched that the other night. I I also since you suggested it I did watch it so yeah. What do you guys think? We don't want to take up too much, I, you know, on that one. But what was your overall? I I feel like it was a little too nice. It didn't. It, it, I felt like it was really uh, in some parts anyway. There was a lot of uh, fan servicing. Yeah, no, I agree. It it was a little too stilted, and like like if you watch like some of the some of the documentaries like like some stuff like the uh, the RLJ guys do like fucking Crystal Lake Memories or uh, the Pet Cemetery doc or Never Sleep Again like it's real verbatim like we're telling stories from the set straight up like there was a lot there was like to be classified as a documentary like I felt like Room Two Three Seven had way too much opinion. Uh, yes, I agree with that fully. Mm-hmm. You know, also I like the way they kind of like picked apart the film. I, I like the film a lot, so the fact that they tried to say every little thing meant something, I thought that was a little too bizarro. 
Yeah, that was that was that's what I mean though. Like you could ab- you could absolutely tell that that doc was made by people that absolutely just worship at the feet of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, and, and they want to find that like those words between the lines and everything. And they're not really giving people a verbatim deal of how the film was made or like what Kubrick was thinking when he was trying to do this stuff. Yeah. It's just conjecture. And that that really rubbed me the wrong way. It's not the worst documentary I've ever seen about, you know, making a movie, but it's it it it's I didn't walk away like I felt like I knew a fucking thing about how the shining was made. Is is what it came down to. The, yeah, the only thing that I liked was the Native American influence that it kinda tapped into. But like to go with what I was saying, it was uh the scene with the elevator and the blood. Like, it picked that apart where, like, it did a zoom in, and I guess they, they show something where, like, it looks like a body. But, like, it's not a body. It's the effect the effect fucked up. Like, the special effects thing that was holding the blood fell, like, fell out instead of staying in. So you've seen that. Yeah, it it's like, just the bag that was holding the blood. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, it's like you don't want to see the fucking the mistakes in it. You know what I mean? It, like, takes away from it when you go back and watch it again. Now you're like, oh, where's that fucking bag? Yeah, you're looking for it because now that that you you know you you brought that up, it just refreshed my memory. So now, like, while we're doing this, I'm gonna purposely be looking for that uh, now. <laughs> it's like it's like the people that point out like you can see a camera in the mirror or something in a, in a certain part. You never not right. see it again. Yeah, like with the Wizard of Oz. The yeah, it's the Wizard of Oz. Itself. Don't look behind the man behind the curtain because yep. <laughs> we're all filmmakers. We know how it goes. I bring it up because I know in this scene in particular that he said something about how the way the windows are in the office, like it, you could definitely tell that it's different from the out of the exterior shot, which is like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's like that. That's For a all you know, it's the back here. of the fucking building. You don't right. know. You don't know unless you are like there and can actually do an aerial shot at that particular moment. You don't know what a building is going to look like from completely around. I, it I mean, been there before. I mean, like, that is like classic Kubrick set design right there. Yeah. Single color room, symmetrical window, squares, like that's clockwork orange, that's full metal jacket. Like that's 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 that is his style. Right. Like he's gonna go for style over consistency like every fucking time, and he's one of the only guys that could pull that off. Yeah. So I don't give a fuck if the windows don't match. Right. <laughs> I'm with you. I just want to watch the movie. Fuck yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of movie. And if you really want to, like, pull pull that apart, you look at the exterior of the Overlook, and then you look at this interior of the lobby, those windows don't match either. <laughs> like, right? who fucking cares? Like, you know how hard it is to find an interior and exterior set that you can use both sides of? I'm talking to the people out there listening. We, we all know. Yeah. But... As a filmmaker, it is so fucking difficult to find something that is a completed thing that actually fucking works. Just so you know, like most movies you watch in the world, your interior shots are not in the house you see from the exterior. They're either a set that they built so they can fit cameras in for the right angles, or they're a completely different location that they could work with cameras because cameras are hard to fucking maneuver. Yeah true lighting they do it for lighting a lot too so they can keep they can have the same light for 24 hours yeah 
Exactly. One of the I most love that part. Famous shots. Yeah, the most famous shots of The Shining. The Blood River. Yeah, that's awesome. Wasn't that shot uh, using the teaser trailer for uh, Doctor Sleep? It was something yeah. like that. I appreciated how they brought a lot of the old Shining footage back in. Yeah, no, little anec- awesome. little anecdote about that shot too. Um, some guy almost died. Oh, really? In one of the takes of that, yeah, like there was like a live wire or a light fell or something, and the blood became conducive <laughs> and like he had to jump on a couch before before it got to him or he would have gotten fucking fried <laughs> Oof. talk about workers comp it would have had a curse to it at that point right imagine if they took dr sleep and they cut in footage from mick garris's the shining instead of kubrick's the shining oh no that'd be fun someone should get on that out there in the old interweb world Oh no, Tim <laughs> Daly! No. Tim Daly with a croquet mallet. Watch out! <laughs> Wings, what motherfucker? Oh man, Stephen <laughs> Weber, my boy, Stephen Weber. Hell yeah, he's scary for one moment in that film when he's like in the hallway and he's with the half demon face. That was creepy. I remember. There were. I'm sure we're going to get to that one eventually, sometime down the road, but. I mean, that movie, I feel like it's gotten so much shit over the years for not being as good as this, but that's like... Yeah, big shoes to fill. I mean, that's that's comparing, like, fucking some nameless boxer to, like, Joe Frazier. It's not fair. They obviously didn't have the budget or the things behind it to do the things that, you know, Kubrick could pull off. You know, TV. They had to do it for TV, and they had to do it for TV, so they couldn't get away with as much. Which is always a. Uh, I'll never understand the Stephen King made for TV miniseries phase. I don't. I don't know who. Well, I mean, with the exception of um, it. Even it. Even it. Like really, like go back and look at it with an analytic eye. It's. Hmm. <laughs> the first half's definitely better than the second half. Oh yeah, yeah. No I mean that, that, that. Yeah, no, that goes for both versions. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, no. If you go back and watch it, like, there's a lot in that that you just like. As 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 someone who makes films now, you go back and look, and you're like, you guys had no money. <laughs> <laughs> went into that all-star cast, John Ritter, fucking the dude from the Waltons, John Boy Walton. Yeah, they they spent it all it's getting cool. getting the cream of the crop from television in 1983. Right. John Boy Walton's mole is a diva on set. It demands to be tweezered once an hour. Mm-hmm. I, I bank that that is actually true. Poor John. All, when you look at that mole on his face, all I can picture is that scene from Austin Powers. Or what is it? Oh, is it Robin Hood Men and Thieves where the mole's moving all over his face every time it comes to a different shot? I really want to talk about Wendy's outfit here. I was gonna say that cigarette ash. She just smoked that she lit that cigarette like a crack fucking like a crack pipe for a second there. Like that ash just hangs there like long as hell forever. Well, if I was married to Jack Torrance, I'd be uh I'd probably be smoking more than that cigarette. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be doing the same. And if, and if you know, 
I'd probably punch my costumer too, because like who, 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 who thought that that outfit was good? It's cute. Yeah, I think that he, that's his way. He's not Kubrick. Well, he actually was born in New York, but then he, he spent a lot of his years elsewhere um, in other countries. But maybe this is his vibe for going for the American family. You know what I mean? I mean, like if I feel like there's like some uh, like there's an element of frumpiness to it, like the 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 stay at home mom. The abused abused wife that, you know, she dresses like that so she doesn't piss her husband off by dressing nice so that he doesn't think that other guys are going to be checking her out when they're out. I mean, if he's an abusive husband like he is, supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. That's probably why she dresses frumpy so no one notices her. Yeah, it's a good point. We're getting psychological with it. I mean, there's also just the element that it looks like a, a kitchen apron. Which, yeah, that's but, it isn't, it but it isn't a kitchen apron. It's a dress. No. Very, very strange. Like she, like she took her, she took her curtain down and you know turns it into a dress. It's like a raggedy yeah. end doll outfit, a little bit. I've always, I've, I don't know what it is. I've always found that outfit to just be extremely odd. Yeah. Because further in the movie, she dresses a little bit better than that. Well, you know, when they start running around the hotel. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's the ghosts. I know her and Kubrick had beef. You know, there's a documentary that his daughter, Kubrick's daughter, shot, uh, and you see him and Shelley Duvall having heavy beef, heavy drama. Uh, she, her crying, needing to lay down and stuff, and you only see a piece of it. So, who's to say? Is it like the dictator that people claim he is, or was she just being like a pampered actress that was, you know, in a tough shoot? I don't know, man. I've I've heard I've heard stories about. Kubrick being a hard ass on more than one set. Oh, yeah. so. It's okay, though. I forgive him. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. Exactly, because if you don't <laughs> keep everybody in in line, but I mean, uh, there's a there's that line you also cross when you start becoming, if, you know, you're I obviously think, crossing a line if everybody's starting to think you're an asshole. You, you, take more tor- you take more torture and torment working a regular nine-to-five job. At least with that, you get to say you worked with Stanley Kubrick and you're a movie star. Right, exactly. That's true, I too. I, cry. You know, my, my opinion on it is the guy knew what he wanted. And really, as a director, that's probably the best possible skill you can have as a director. Because a lot of directors, at least that I've seen, they go into it a little too open to collaboration, a little too fuzzy on what their vision's going to be, what their what their goal is. And Kubrick is the exact opposite. He knows exactly what he wants. And he's not flinching, and he's going to get it. So, I look at him as as a director, like a lot like Hitchcock was. Very, we're gonna do this three hundred and thirty five fucking times until we get it the way I want it to fucking be. Yeah, and I respect that because I'm a little bit that way myself. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why it's his picture. You know, that's his vision. If that's the way he wants it to be, <clears throat> the man have it his way. Hey, if you're a director. Your name's on the front of that. That you're responsible. Right. Good, bad, mediocre, whatever the reviews say, you have to wear it. You have to yeah. own it. The actors all have a an out. They can all say, "Well, it was bad direction," 
or bad writing. It's yeah. the writer and the director that have to own the end result of the film. So yeah, I get why you would be a hard ass. For sure. No. And everybody around him, when you're coming from at the time with directors would be, they would be intimidating and they'd be tough. Nothing like it is now. Like now you see a lot of, you know, like Josh Whedon, I can't, I don't know what he did, but I I know he was being mean. I don't know if he did anything sexual, but I know that there was talk that he was just being like very mean with actresses and and, and that was an issue for him. But it's kind of like back in this era, not that it was acceptable, but it was more, it was a more common thing. Um, There was a lot of like trying to get performances though too, which is tricky. Like you, you might, you might bring somebody through hell to get a performance out of them. And they had a tough day, but at the end of the day, they're going to be happy that they have that performance forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there's, for there's sure. A thin line. There's a thin line there for sure. Yeah, everybody could be mad at the director for pushing them so hard until they got an award in their hand. Right. Their fault. Then, then they're the reason. If you get the yeah, director, then it's them. The yeah, then it's them. That's if, I hadn't, if I hadn't given such a stellar performance, I wouldn't have gotten this award, and neither would have you. I would love to see the most hypocritical statements like that ever in Hollywood where, like, there's been people that just told the director he should fucking kill himself off because he's no talented, and then they win an Academy Award, and they're like, yeah, I guess he did all right. I'm sure I'm it happened. Out there. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're out there. Introduction to the, the most craziest imagery of the whole film, almost. These two twins... Yes. The Grady yeah. twins, man. Fucking. These girls just became, they are, I mean, you think of The Shining, it's hard not to think. The, the, you think of them before you think of him with running with the axe, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, if you if you just look at the merchandise yeah. that's, that comes out of the movie, when the Pops, when the, the Funko Pops did The Shining line, it was Jack Torrance, Wendy, Danny, and the Grady twins. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're iconic for sure. I do. The Living Dead dolls, I think, even have the Grady twins as a set. We can't have the old lady, an old naked lady. That wasn't going to sell. No, no, they wouldn't <laughs> do. They wouldn't do Room Two Three Seven Girl. No, the uh, those That'd kids. Kind of dope though. When they come around the corner on the when he comes around the corner on the little tricycle and he sees those girls hacked up, I you know, do you guys that when you were young did you have to close? That was something I'd block my eyes for. When I, I damn near shit my pants the first time. I was like, like numerous watches into it. There's certain films when I was younger, like no matter how many times I seen it, dude. No, I, I, I did the, I did the sideways look. I was too hip. Like if mm-hmm. something got too crazy for me, I just always let my head creep to the side a little bit, so I didn't have to look at it. <laughs> that was my. I dream. can't, I can't remember how old I was, but the first time I ever saw this movie was at the drive-in. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's at the drive-in too. Yeah, I know. That, that's why it was kind of funny because, like, I was really little and this was the second movie. So, you know, back in those days, you'd go and the kid-friendly movie would be first and then whatever, you know, mom and dad, the adult feature would be after. This was yeah. the second movie. And I remember I stayed awake and watched every second of it. Granted, I probably had nightmares for a week after with that, you know, with the scenes with the blood and all that. But this was... Yeah, more than a week, probably. The blood never yeah. really bothered me. It was the people. It was... Yeah. Yeah, it was the girls. It was the bathroom scene. I think I the first time I seen that bathroom scene with the lady coming out of the tub. I think I walked out of the room. I think I got up and like left the room. It was so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think at one point I ended up on the on like on the 
it, yeah. my dad had a station wagon at the time. And I think at one point while I was watching this, I ended up on the floor in between the back seat and my dad and my dad in the driver's seat because I was scared and trying to hide. Another, another credit to the, to the Grady twins, um, scene, at least in my opinion, is also the sound design, right? The scoring, like, it's not just that he turns the corner and sees those kids. It's that he turns the corner and sees those kids and a gong goes off. Like, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's, that was like really like clever use of music. Yeah. To, to really like lay it home. And yeah. Yeah. I appreciate good sound design. I, I, I have a lot of respect for sound design because it's very fucking hard. This was Wendy Carlos and Rachel Eklund did this. Some female mm. composers, which is nice. Girl power represent. That's that's definitely that's definitely something to be said about that. Considering yeah, this came out in 1980. Yeah, I always yeah. love the score, man. The, the the orchestral sound of it. There's a lot of um, stock sound in this as well, if I remember correctly. There is. There is. They they. It's a minimalist score. In my opinion, they they don't go crazy, but it hits when it needs to. Yeah, and it's really like no more, no less than what exactly the it's looking for. It's not John Williams. Let's put it that way. Right. You know what I mean? Who I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm mad respect for John Williams. He goes hard no matter what the fuck he's making. Yeah. Respect, but there's something special to be said about people people that have that talent to pull back and say what does the scene need not how much can i throw in here what does the scene need yeah. and i i have a lot of respect for that a lot of respect. It's, it's a it's a, it's a difficult talent to have yeah to check yourself as a musician and not try to go like 800 you know miles an hour for everything but john yeah. williams mad love for john williams whether it's dracula or jaws it he did he does amazing work. Absolutely. We got Scatman Crowther's over here killing it, pimping. He's a big fucking pimp in this movie. If you don't think he's a pimp, wait till you get to his house. You see That's what pimp. I'm saying, man. Yeah, he's laying I've in never, the bed. Yeah. I've never seen that as a kid being like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, it's just I, a weird moment. I have, <laughs> like, I, it was amazing. But I have no confirmation on this, but I have always said that that scene with Halloran in Florida getting the shinin from Danny. That was totally an inspiration for fucking Spalding's trailer in Devil's Rejects. I, can see I really think so. I can see that. Yeah. Rest in peace. Sit Mr. Haig. Yep. This is the second time today he's come up in conversation. <laughs> Maybe close to the anniversary. When you're talking, when you're talking hard, it's hard for him not to come up in conversation. Yeah, very true. I believe, I believe it was bef- right before Halloween, wasn't it? Mm. Yep. It's right around this time. Yeah. Episode dedicated today. The funny thing is, is when I was talking about him, was on one of my Jabber interviews today. <laughs> That's how you get the job. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> you let him. That's you exactly let him, what it was. <laughs> you let him know I'm a hard fan. Yep. Yeah. With my Captain Spaulding stickers all over the backside of my car. I wish I could do this to people just to fuck with them. You want some ice cream, Doc? Speak in their mind. I want to speak in your head. <laughs> the shinning. 
as, as groundskeeper Willie yeah, once called it. The Simpsons, big referencing. There was a Treehouse big thing about of Horrors. There was a big right. thing about the. There was a big thing about Indians too, like the yeah, the Native American Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, the blood. Supposedly, it was the blood of the all the Native Americans killed type deal. Yeah, and then though, because I remember seeing something about the what was it Calumet or something. The yeah, name the coffee, they get coffee cans. <laughs> yeah, the ketchup or whatever it was. And there's a couple of times where you see it, and then there's certain times where the, the specific ways that the cans are turned or whatever they were trying to get it to actually spell it out. Yeah. He was such an adorable little boy. Yeah, he still does. He does conventions, I believe. He does. Yeah, there was one. I think I want to say it was like the first Scarecon. He was supposed to be there, and I like any time I went by his table, he was never ever there. He's partying. Probably, I wouldn't doubt it. I'd party with fucking Danny Torrance. I'd party with Danny Torrance. Sounds like Ari Lehman. He never seems to be at his tables either. He definitely parties like a motherfucker. I, I can speculate that. I can put that out there. If you have hair like that, you party. It's just that simple. First Jason got a party. Yeah. I like. I wish I had this flyer as fucking shit. Jack and he's got going there. Right. That's what's up? The original starter jackets. That's what it looks like, or or like the proto Adidas tracksuit jacket. Yeah. I was and a big fan of those. Voice. I love his voice. Scatman? Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking name, dude. Scatman. I love it, dude. Crothers, last name Crothers. Scatman sounds like fucking uh, sex that nobody wants to be involved with here. <laughs> but, but who's to say? I guess I don't know. <laughs> I can only speak for myself and Scatman. Jazz singer. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's the best. Yeah, he had a gigantic career doing everything. Yes. Yes, he's he good. did. Fantastic talent. Very. And a little call forward to Dr. Sleep. I I, I just want to go on, like, the casting. Yeah. They did a fantastic job with the people that they casted to play these roles. Seriously. Like, the guy that plays Dick Halloran in Dr. Sleep looks like Scatman Crothers. It's fucked up. The, the, it's fucking weird. There's a, like an eerie resemblance too between the chick that played Wendy and that and in- yes, yes, very close. Yeah, and I I'm mean, like, pros- I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I was gonna say, was prosthetics involved to help with yeah, that? Or, it you know, have, yeah. <laughs> prop, the prop, face, yeah, the face thing. Now they're doing. Yeah. Prop, props to the, the the effects team, the makeup, whatever, whatever they had to do to make that happen. That shit was fucking convincing. And even Henry Thomas Thomas is Jack Torrance. Like, who? Eerie. Who signs up for that? Who's like, all right, man. Sure, Mike, why not? Like, who's going to step into those shoes? Like, that's intimidating as hell. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't wasn't quite the biggest fan of that choice, but I'm not going to hate. I I thought it was – I thought – the placement of him, I – I'm a – I, I wouldn't put anybody recognizable in there, Jack. Someone that looked like him, but not not noticeable. It was a dude from like uh, ET, right? Grown up. Well, well, Henry Thomas is like a regular collaborator with Mike Flanagan. Well, yeah, I know that's why he did it. I know that's yeah, that's why, why he, he was it, in there. 
I still don't. That did take it away for a little bit for me in the movie. I think, I think it was an incredibly ballsy. Just anybody accepting that is incredibly well, ballsy. A tough call for sure. It's definitely a tough call. I think that somewhere at a cookout, uh, the actor told the director, "You know who I'd love to play one day." When he when he found out that he was making Doctor Doctor Sleep, he was like, "Damn, I'd love to be Jack Torrance, dude." And uh, he used to gave it to him for a little bit. Yeah, I yeah, I just don't think I'm a big believer that like with an iconic character like that, don't put another iconic face in there. I know the kid hasn't done anything of big status in a while, but I, he was still recognizable to me. So I don't know. I well, I think, I think most people these days recognize him from like haunting a Hill house, which I mean, is, which is what he did with Flanagan before, before Dr. Sleep. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still give him props because that's gutsy. Like, those, are shoes to fill. those are big yeah. shoes to fill. I'm not taking anything away from him, except yeah. for the fact that I like that part of the movie. That's fine. <laughs> Trying to think of the uh, who's the dude who played Danny Torrance grown up. Uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Now, the two most horrifying dead baby scenes in my I've ever seen in my life. He's been a part of it. Was it was that Doctor Sleep? Yeah, that was definitely and, and train spotting with the fucking. Oh, dude, guys. train that was that, fucked up. The scene in train spotting. It's a fucking horror movie. Like it jumps into horror movie territory. When yeah, that, when it really, it really fucking does though. That oh, yeah. that shit that shit scarred scarred me forever. It's harsh. Yeah, it's harsh. Yeah. I mean, fuck. So I haven't I haven't seen Train Spotting, so now I'm gonna have to watch it. The yeah, you need to watch Train Spotting. No, Train Spotting Two is pretty good, but Train Spotting One is. It, I, I feel like that's must watch. For sure, masterpiece of its time, though. Yeah, you, that's you like, that's a must. If you like movies about drugs, you'll like movies about train spotting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and Danny Boyle Master. Be, is, I mean, he, he, he's, he's got a big bat to swing in horror himself. So I feel like yeah. horror fans should check out the rest of his work because he's an amazing director, even outside the genre. Yeah. Of course, you got 28 days and 28 weeks. Mm-hmm. You got to see Shallow Grave. Shallow Grave's kind of leaning towards horror a little bit. I would say so. I would say so. Definitely has its horror elements. But yeah, no, boy, his, his, whole, his whole catalog's just fucking five stars, five stars, five stars. Oh, here we go. Can I go. tell you, I used to have one of those. <laughs> the big wheels, that big wheel, yeah. like that big wheel, like that. Yeah, that like yeah, same I exact color. I, I had that big wheel too, Melissa. I did. <laughs> you ain't special. <laughs> to go with what James was saying, because I'm older. <laughs> with the uh, the audio cues, the rug, the going on and off of the rug. Oh yeah, like, yeah. always, yeah. always, it, like builds tension. It, like, yeah, it, it, it does. You know, super. Because you're waiting way. to see what's gonna come at the end of that. It's it was masterful because they do that rug the, the 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 floor rug floor rug was like a weird building of tension that I always yep. appreciated. And so they his Wendy in another sexy outfit. She's definitely abused. She's making a fucking big meal like that for him, dude. She's, I mean, dude's dude's not, and she's gonna wake him up to give him that. Like that's true. Be, Middle of the he, day, he's fucking clunked out. That's not a good deal. It's not a good visual. Why is he? Why, uh, yeah. Why? Why is he fucking? It's like noon, and he's like fucking toes up. Like, 
Yeah. Right. It's like it's like the three of you in this gigantic hotel and nobody else. Like, what were you doing? If that was if that was my mom, she'd have been like, "What the fuck? Get the fuck out yeah. of bed! You, <laughs> you got things to do. Move your ass." Oh, there he is. There he is. But he wakes up in a good mood. That's that's a that's a midday nap. Wake up. That ain't no. He he's not waking up from a night of sleeping. He just took a little cat nap for a couple hours. And now he's refreshed with his toast. Maybe he's, orange he's, juice. Heroin's his real problem. I think that's what they should be investigating him for heroin use. <laughs> Mm, copping nods. Sleeping not, all the time. Not good. Not good. He's quite an interesting dude. There's always a little bit of Jack Nicholson in everything he does. More than a little bit, I should say. He's 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 great. Love him. But, his you know. facial expressions alone, like, will say it all before you know the words actually like resonate with people. Yeah. <laughs> The way I've always looked at Jack Nicholson is that he's not a character actor. He is a character mm-hmm. that is that injected character? into other characters. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I because you're right. There's a little bit of Jack Nicholson in just about everything he's ever done. He's he's definitely got a a signature, a staple. I think it's a movie star thing too. Because they're so big, he's like, I know the audience wants to see a little of me in here. I got to put it forth. Oh, dude, no, it's been there since the beginning, man. It's been there since Easy Rider, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, yeah. it was there the whole time. It was, he knew he was going to be fucking huge. Yeah. He knew it. He knew it. Because it, it's been there in everything. And it, it, there's a little bit of Jack Torrance in The Joker, that there's a little bit of his portrayal of the devil and the witches of Eastwick. Yeah. in the Joker is which is a little bit of Joker is in Jack Torrance. Like it's it kind of just like he is a character. He is a character. And through that he's he made all these performances. Just tweaking the knobs a little bit every yeah. time. Now this garden, this maze isn't in the book or isn't there something very different about this maze from the maze um, in the book? Yeah, no, this is this is actually quite a departure. And I can see why Kubrick left this out. Um, now because I see like more clearly what his vision was was to be something a little more rooted in the real to make the ghosts feel more real to make it feel more dangerous more scary but no the garden isn't a maze in the book it's a topiary garden and it's all these topiaries like you know hedges cut like lions giraffes whatever and there's a scene where Danny and his mother are playing outside and the topiaries come to life and try to kill him. Mm. And it's, it's something that after watching the miniseries of the shining and they actually went for that. Yeah. You understand why Kubrick made the choice to avoid it because, well, I mean, it's plants coming alive to kill somebody. It's a little shop of horror shit. It's it's hard to make that serious and dangerous, you know. So I get it because you think, this... you think that little shop of horror, the fact that Nicholson did little shop of horrors back in the day, you think he didn't want that people thinking about that movie while watching his movie? I don't. I don't think Nicholson had much of a say. No, no, this no, is... no. Kubrick. <laughs> Kubrick. 
Oh, Kubrick. Oh, yeah, no. Because like, if your audience is thinking of this other movie when they're watching this actor, when they should be thinking about the movie in front of them, that's an issue. Maybe, maybe. But I think I definitely think it was much more of a deliberate, like, he read the book, got to that part, went, nah, that's fucking stupid. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm with it. I know that you changed the, there was like this nod to uh, Stephen King where in the car they drive is a different color than in the book, but they supposedly drive past a car that is the color in the book, like broken down on the road or something. And that was supposed to be a little fuck you to King or like a little, I don't care about your story. I'm going to do what I want to do type deal. I believe that actually. Yeah. I believe they hated each other. I w- that'd be a good movie. I'd love to see a movie, the King and Kubrick bashing heads movie while making the they- shining. They hated each other. There was no King Kubrick making The Shining. There was Kubrick making <laughs> yeah. The Shining yeah. and shutting doors on King at every turn. I remember there was a letter floating around of somebody when they were trying to do a sequel to 2001. Kubrick sent some letter to somebody telling him how he was going to fucking not only sue him, but beat him up when he seen him. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it believe it and to be fair 2010 wasn't anything to write home about so (laughs) the most uh the most famous rug pattern and maybe any pattern in a fucking movie next to freddy krueger's sweater you know what i mean those are the patterns (laughs) i I actually have my shining scrunchie in right now and that's what the material is it's the pattern on this rug with the grady twins i would also say it's the most aped rug pattern in horror I've seen so many things that use that art deco kind of style or pattern to like nod to the shining. And I mean, I was just watching, um, well, I mean, it's not very good, but American horror story hotel. Yeah. Decided to give it another shot in the first episode. Like I'm looking at the rug and like the way that the camera's moving. And I was like, guys, are you really? No, you guys yeah, aren't trying was- to go up against the big dog, are you? No, that's a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> I was like, I get it. Your, th- your your show takes place in a fucking hotel, so it's a hotel. Ooh, The Shining. No, that's not a good idea. And I was right. Like, five episodes in, I was like, nah, yeah, sorry, The Shining, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to drag on about the American Horror Story thing but i just want to go on and say like i don't find that show to be horror in any way shape or form it's not besides, scary at all besides the fact that like they have blood occasionally yeah and things happen that are violent the, the scariest thing about american horror story is that it's still on the air i <laughs> i've never watched a single episode <laughs> i they're part of the tv horror craze which you both know this from going to conventions there's there's like a horror film audience and there's a horror tv audience and they don't really see the eye to eye to so, you know them, wow. they, they link up from time to time but there there's audience they're solely tv which they don't really like the films which yeah, i yeah which is kind of which is kind of getting my interest peaked too for you know with child's play and the day of the dead series that looks good yeah sci-fi i'm kind of like that's kind of peaking my interest just because i i love day of the dead the movie so but you know you know what's sometimes. interesting what's interesting about that that there's the, the the tv horror audience versus the film horror audience is that I noticed that, like, 
and I'm not, this isn't a knock. This isn't like I'm trying to like condescend to anybody out there. But like the TV audience is definitely like fair weather horror. They're yeah. very like, they dub, they dip the foot in to the pool. And yeah, just yeah kinda, that's like, for the ones that there's too chicken shit to watch anything really. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even go there. So that's kind of safe. I wouldn't even go there. But the funny part about it is, is that since the, t- the, the, the horror TV audience is so laissez-faire about things, um, the really good horror TV shows usually fail. Yeah. Because it's like a little too hardcore for them. Um, I was a big fan of The Strain. Right. Yeah, that was. I watched I some of that. That, that was too. good. Um, I love the books. I absolutely love the books, and I was a big fan. And I was amazed that it actually got to run its full course and complete the whole story because it was hanging on by a thread the whole time. Yeah, almost canceled, almost canceled, almost canceled. But they actually got. They were actually able to get through all four seasons. <laughs> but um, other ones, I mean, that I thought were really good, Nosferatu. Didn't make yeah. it past two seasons. Um, Did the second season ever actually like finish airing? Yeah, it's 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 done. It's done. It's. I mean, I didn't like the second season because it was off book and just going in really weird directions that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But the first season was really good. It was solid. You know, Joe Hill, son of Stephen King. So you know, there's some relationship. Yeah. Ryan, nice tie in. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I find that funny that like the walking dead can survive for 11 seasons being a dramatic walking simulator with an occasional zombie and some really like solid horror, like gets, gets lost in ratings limbo. Yeah. That's a shame. The new teller, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, maybe more, it was like Buffy and Angel. Like supernatural, were kind of like your cro- you know, quasi horror mashup TV shows. You know what I mean? It's like though though that audience are the people that kind of like American latched horror on, story. yeah, that latched on to American Horror Story, yeah. or their kids did. Like like yeah. people that had Buffy going on on Wednesday nights, and their kids were watching it. Like that's the audience. But again, this is safe horror. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's not anything, you know, nothing's going to be that intense because they have to keep it TV sensitive. Speaking of fucking intense, Jack Nicholson's look, look right there. Right there right. That sweater is fucking, he's balling, dude. That's intense horror right there. That's her. That look, for real. Eyes. Like, I see that look on somebody's face, I'm out. Yeah. Like, he just he, took a dose. He just took a dose in his arm right there. <laughs> That's what that is. For that's real, that's what it is. <laughs> and then he forgot about Friday. He forgot about Thursday and Friday. Now it's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> he got it was white out. He took that dose and it all fucking snowed in his. Brain. That's that's another thing that Kubrick did from this version. That's way different from the book too. Like what? he had the events of this this whole thing play out like from like closing day a week like a week and a half later. It, it's all going to hell. Yeah, this took months in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. Months. Like he was, he took over, um, as caretaker of the Overlook in mid October in the book, and then it doesn't all go to hell until like January. <laughs> were there like, any? 
Were there any good scares that didn't from the book that didn't make it into the movie? Shitloads. Yeah. Shitloads. That book is terror. Really? All the way through. It's not it, it it's not one of King's like fine point like you're supposed to be scared here. You're supposed to be scared here. You're supposed like he doesn't do scary moments in the shining. The whole thing is just anxiety and yeah, dread. Yeah. And then when it all comes together and you you know you know Jack's not just losing his mind and the place is actually fucking haunted and all this stuff goes down. Like it's just it doesn't stop. Yeah. It's it's relentless. Um I mean like one chapter like I believe the paragraphs of like him like of, of when everything goes down like par- like one paragraph will be the whole page. Like it just doesn't stop and it's just intense. It also has a very different ending than the movie. So, hmm. I own all the books. I felt like I've started them all. <laughs> if anybody gets mad at me, just pretend I said I don't know how to read. Then you won't be mad at me anymore. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not even mad at you. Like, I, at least you started them. I know people it's that... Been, it's been a really long time <laughs> since I've read this. Actually, I know I really want to re- reread the book. I know people who have a full shelf of first edition Stephen Kings that have never touched them. Like, they're afraid. They just like collecting them to have the cover. And I'm like, you have like an entire library of like the greatest, some of the greatest horror literature ever written, and you've never read it. Mm. At least you tried. At least you started. Yeah. (laughs) You know? I believe Steadicam was created for this, for The Shining. I think the it first was. time it was ever used was in this. Oh, there, there they are. are. Again. I would love to know what Kubrick did to this kid to get the golden looks on his face. You know what I mean? This is going back to a time where you can do anything. I didn't do anything too horrifying, but this could have been one of those, the camera's on this dude for fucking 45 minutes straight, and Kubrick's just like... Looks scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look scared or I'll kill your whole family. Shot. I feel like Kubrick, Kubrick would say that to a child. He would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this scene is so intense. Like he, you, he, like legitimately looks frightened. So his head, he can't get away from it. Ugh. This is before he started locking him up in the 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 crate, like in Doctor Sleep. Oh, I was going to say in the closet with Carrie. I would love to own some of that wallpaper with the blood or the rug. That'd be, the That'd be dope. If it may, this stuff all probably just got thrown out. And fucking like dope. I got, I have like, I, I won all that like Friday the 13th stuff with, yeah. from, uh, but so, but to have something from the shining that would definitely be dope. I seen that thing that where you're winning that they were giving away serial killer memorabilia. I don't know how safe that is. Uh, that was kind of bad dope. karma on that shit. Yeah, right. Movie, <laughs> movie, movie, movie props are one thing, yeah. but but dirt from John Wayne Gacy's house—that shit's haunted. I don't give a fuck. For real. Yeah. That shit's haunted. If that came from the crawl space, that's touched dead kid. No, thank you. Dead, all kinds of dead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. bodies. Um, that's a lot of bad nah, juju coming into that's, my house. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's was, there's enough without adding. There was one thing I seen. There was one thing with like it was a rug with like blood on it or something. And I remember being like, "Why? Like, why would you really want that?" 
Yeah. My mom, my grandma, my aunt, old school Brazilian brujas. I know all about how dangerous grave dirt is. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. That shit is not coming in my house. No goddamn way. You want to give me some dirt from like Camp Crystal Lake? Sure. But, yeah, but uh, that's exactly what I got. Like, I'm okay. That's safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some shavings from the Packnack cabin. Yep. Right. Yep. Do you want to give me actual grave dirt that's such actual corpse? No, no. I'm yeah, good. no, thank you. That's I'm a whole good. different level of. Uh, that were murdered, that were murdered yeah. made a mockery of. Yeah. I, I, know, I, I, I know a curse when I see one. Yep. I'm good. <laughs> I got enough bad luck. I don't need somebody else's. Yeah. Precisely. I've always wanted the art, though. I've always wanted a Gacy painting or fucking... Madison I, used to make spiders out of, like, hair or something like that. I yeah. know I know a few people who have actual Gacy paintings hanging in their houses. I'd a even couple. be nervous about that just because of the energy going... It could be, yeah, I mean... doing it. It's one thing to put into it. You don't know whose hair it is. You don't, you know, he's yeah. murdering people and using their hair in his artwork. Come on. I mean, it's the one thing. The same thing as having a, you know, dirt from his land. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing to, like, be fascinated with serial killers and watch serial killer documentaries and whatever. I'm fascinated with serial killers. Yeah. I'll watch them documentaries all day. I don't want anything that they have touched in my no house. No paraphernalia. That's all bad. Stuff. That's bad mojo, man. Like, yeah. no, no. I'm good. Like, I'm good. Like... It's like heart shaped box. Can you imagine exactly, being one of dude. yeah, bringing exactly, being one of those dude. crazy people? You're bringing all that energy into your house, and then you know they're probably really dumb enough too to have a Ouija board. Yeah, that's that's exactly why I'm saying that. Man. Yeah, like somebody would be dumb enough. Like I'm selling a ghost on the internet, and someone would go buy it. Yep, because that's a thing that people do. Because people are fucking stupid. <laughs> Play around with things you don't know about, and you're gonna nah. get yourself hurt. No, 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 no. I'm good. All set. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there's a, there's such a re- the, the relationship between the father and son in this is so crazy, dude. It's so tense at all times. Well, the thing, the, the this is part of the reason why I was never a big fan of this b- prior when I was younger. Yeah. The relationship between Danny and Jack is the story. Yeah. It is the book. It's Jack's redemption. That's the arc. But he gets no redemption here. And this this has always come off to me as like art like real artificial and cold. Like there's no Yeah. There's no there's no hook to Jack in this to say that he might turn a corner somewhere and realize he's fucking up. Well the and kid doesn't really bother. seem to care either. <laughs> Well, I mean, Danny's basically, for lack of a better word, in this traumatized. Movie, yeah, com- comatose. He, mm. He's catatonic for most of the fucking film. Um, and I'd be fucking catatonic if too if I was a five year old fucking seeing the shit he's seeing. In this Hell movie. yeah! So I get it. Like he's. I would have reverted back case. to. I would have reverted back to like infant tendencies. Like you would have had me back in a diaper or something. You know? Yeah, you seriously. That factor. Seriously, like, I think a lot of the things that he's experienced, you know, while they're staying in this hotel, to me, is a lot scarier than like a lot of the stuff that have been, you know, the, like a lot of the scenes in this to me were scarier than some of the scenes from even like Salem's Lot. Mm. It's like they they got scarier 
and more intense with the stuff as they went. Well, yeah, there's a psychological element to it, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, well, there's a couple of factors there to why I think this might be more intense than your usual, than, than Salem's Lot, or even Carrie. Um, it's a better... That dysfunctional parenting. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it's, it's, it's something that's a little more... I mean, I, it's hard to say it's a little more real, because, I mean, it's got ghosts and, you know, whatnot. But it's a little more of something to me, like, King always had that hook in his early stuff, where the life-reflected art. So this is about an abusive father, like, coming to terms with trying to change, really. And going through sobriety and trying to stay sober in the process. They're both going through it, in there. Like, the kid and the father, like, the, the I think the magic they're trying to capture in this is they're both losing touch of, like, reality at the same time, but they can't be open with each other. It's, like, one of those weird things. Yeah, and, exactly. And at this time, was is this a time when King was, like, off the rails alcoholic heavily? This is entirely about his addiction to alcohol. Because I wonder if there was, if, if, if Kubrick met King and the King was such, like, had such a problem that he kind of incorporated more of King into this character than King liked, maybe. I think, I think King incorporated more of King than King was comfortable with when he wrote it. That's a good point. Yeah. Because that's very much where he was coming from when he yeah. wrote this book was because he got sober. And this was like really like his catharsis to figuring out that. So this was a really personal story for him. So I see why he took such issue yeah, with Kubrick changing so much. Because this is really personal to him. So I understand why he would be so mad. But at the same time, now being a little more mature and being a filmmaker myself, it's like you got you got to go your way. Yeah. Whether you're adapting a book or not, you got to go your way. You got to go with your gut. You got to go with what you think is going to work. I'm telling your story, you know. Telling King, your story. King already told his story with the book, so Kubrick's going to do his with the movie. Yeah. I mean, I doubt Peter Benchley was really jazzed that they were going to change the end of his book in Jaws, but when he watched it for the first he was probably like, okay, when that makes that sense. Check. When he got that check, he was like, well, when he got the whole book, dude. When he got, when he got, uh, when he got a check every month till the day he died for residuals, I'm sure yeah, he yeah. was like, "Yeah, you can make it whatever you want, bro. Make That's the fine." Shark a boat, man. I don't care. I wonder what the cast of this movie thinks now about their wardrobe back then. Of the Shining people, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Dude, I wish I had that Apollo fucking eleven. That NASA, that NASA sweater he's got on right now with the spaceship. I mean, I mean, not to make light of mental health issues, but I'm pretty sure Shelly Duvall is wearing shit way worse today than she was back then. I hate to even admit this, but I used to have a dress similar to the one she's got on right now that was like a mustard yellow. Ooh. And I, that was the only dress my mom didn't have to beat me to get into. It was corduroy and everything. <laughs> oh, that's that's dark. Yeah, I, I I liked it, but like uh, that was the only dress I she could get me to wear without fighting her about it. I rocked the corduroys as a kid too. Uh, yeah, that was like right, big in the eighties. They came back. They well, they came back like in the ninety late nineties, I think. They did when around the fur came out, dude. Uh, I had some corduroy 
I used to wear corduroys with a with a flannel shirt and a like had, a, a wife beater underneath it with combat boots. I, I, I had corduroy jankos. I yep. had a pair of corduroy jankos. That was and those, but those things were so comfortable. We should bring corduroys back. We should bring jankos back. I don't you know about all that. Bucks. You can. I really wish I had held on to mine because. People buy those things for God knows how much money now. Yeah, they were just they were just so comfortable. Until it rained. Yeah, and then you got them all soaked, and you know you're soaked up to your knees from them. Uh, the snow too. See, this this is when things yep. are, things are starting to all come apart. Yeah, he's losing it. Oh yeah. Got Jack Nicholson Wolfman from the Wolf movie look going down. You gotta kind and you gotta feel for her too because like her son's going crazy now, her husband's going crazy, and you know she's trying to keep it together. But like, how long are you? How long are you going to keep it together with you know your, especially with the with her your son? You know your child. You love your husband, but your baby going through it at the same time makes it that much difficult so for her to actually kind of hold her shit together i give her props no i mean that uh, that's true to a point melissa but when she sees what she's about to see on danny's neck yeah she she that's mama bear protecting her cup she, she she goes fucking medieval on that guy yep because so, he did it before. He did it before and then said he wouldn't do it again type deal, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's know, what made him stop drinking. She really does have, like, her emotional struggle is, like, deeper than anybody's, really. Because, like you were saying, you know, she's got the husband that's losing his mind, who's been abusive to the son in the past, and you have the son you're trying to look out for. And now look at him now. Like, his sweater's all ripped. He's sucking his thumb. But in the same token, it's like, you're sitting there talking to your husband, so how are you going to blame him for this? And this was from a time where the wife didn't leave the husband. The, the, the wife wasn't grabbing the kid and leaving like they do nowadays. It's more more prison-like, I feel, where what are you going to do? Go out there on your own type deal? It's a, It was a much more unheard of concept. Yeah, That's now weird. it's, unfortunately, it's more common now to see, you know, single mothers out there with the kids doing it. But, yeah, back in this, it was more of a, look at that fucking look on his face. But this is how I, like, what, what I don't understand is, is how she could possibly think he did it when she's been here with him the whole time that Danny was, like, wherever. Could, well, it could be getting to her, too. It doesn't, the, the movie never really dives into her going into any type of crazy. Yeah, just, it just focuses is. on them. Towards the end, she starts to see shit. But yeah. Look at that, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh. He's, that's that's the ultimate what the fuck look. If I if you see him doing that face, that's when you pack your bags and get the fuck out of there, dude. That's yeah. it. You, you get in the snowcat. Yeah, right there, that right there, and then I would have been done. Yeah, no, that's 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 getting the snowcat weather. And I don't even think it was really snowing that heavy yet. Then. In the book, does he does he is he drinking in the book? Because in this, it almost feels like he's drinking, but they're not showing it. You know what I mean? No. But it could just be the how the you know the hotel slowly possessing him. So that's yeah. that's what it is intertwining. But I do. But the drinking thing, I do want to speculate that maybe there might be something to that. The sleeping late in the day thing we were talking about before, like there could be the way that Bill and Ted are potheads, but you never see him smoking weed. You know what I mean? Almost well, I mean, like that. Unless he brought it himself, because I'm when sure he, he did. 
when they, they brought him the into bar, when yeah. they did the yeah they said they stripped the bar so he had, would have had to have brought it himself because there's nothing in there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find a bottle of Jack Daniels in the in the manager's fucking desk or something or in the janitor's closet. Yeah, it's funny they moved they moved all that liquor just like ten feet away into a room with no lock on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know I mean. You know, somebody left that up behind a little something, something to get them through the time. Of course, he's drinking rubbing alcohol the whole time. Ugh, mouthwash, <laughs> sucking down Listerine. Because yeah. <laughs> he's definitely lost it. It was very iconic too. I think Simpsons even they, they, this this is in their episode of the shitting. I think too, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the picture. Of course, the, the that famous picture. But yeah. uh, the the bar, like again, like this is like a very Kubrick piece of scenery. Yeah, it, like the the uplighting, elegant from the from the bar, the way that the bar is lit, the the symmetry, the simple shapes, like yeah. the the very like base colors, not a lot of like pattern work going on. It's, it's, yeah. Like, I mean, like, this is, this is, like, trademark Kubrick. Yeah. Look. And on the set, it didn't look like there was too much direction given to Nicholson. So they probably figured it out beforehand, or uh, they just kind of let him go. I think they kind of, I think they let him go. You know, they could. It looks like they do, but with him being such so controlling that Kubrick was, I find it difficult to think that he'd just let him go. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, I don't. He would, he would have gave him complete free reign. Like it looks. But like a lot of the time, too, it, it's not. It's not like easy to like with his facial expressions as he's you know going through it. Yeah. That's not something that's easy to make somebody portray. No matter you know, just by giving them direction, either. Yeah. That, there's nobody that's mimicking those looks that he makes. I think. I mean, I they think, try, but they're, he, he, they can try all they want, but they're never yeah. going to duplicate that. I think there's also a uh, a level of understanding the actor you're dealing with yeah. involved there. Like, I don't think Kubrick probably needed to have such a heavy hand with Jack Nicholson, no matter what anybody wants to say like oh he treated jack nicholson so well he treated shelly duvall like shit let's be honest with ourselves here shelly duvall is not jack nicholson right right the 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 skill and experience level when they made this movie were in completely different planets completely different planets i'm not i'm not justifying anything that he may have done to Shelley to get that stuff out. It was probably over the top. It was probably too far. But to say that he needed to have his heavy hand with Jack Nicholson, who already had 10 like major feature films under his belt by this movie. Yeah. No, no, this is a guy that did fucking Chinatown. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't need that much help. So I don't think that Kubrick was really like on top of Jack. He was probably very concise about what he wanted in the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as like the actual performance, nah, I don't think he was micromanaging that on the level that he was with Shelley Duvall. No way. Because yeah, he knew. I think he knew he casted Jack for that reason. Yeah. He could do. Yeah. And in the little footage they do have of them interacting on set, 
I know that he does get direction, but Nicholson's very, um, very humble kind of. He's like, a, you know, when you see like great actors that are like on set, they never like to be seen on set. But when you see them, there's like, they're very giving with the director. Like there's no real ego there. Like Nicholson like stripped his ego and was just like, yes, sir. You know, like, I think this is, you know what I mean? It, it was good to see. So, but yeah, I think it was just a matter of cat, knowing what he wanted. You know, I'm sure they, they, they prepped heavy and then they just went with it. I mean, even the looks on the bartender's face, they kind of coincide with the, with the way he's acting right now too. Absolutely. Well, you're, yeah, your secondary characters and even the third ones are going to, are kind of the people that kind of sell it. You need like, your leading people are great actors, but you almost need even better actors in those positions to keep up with them. Cause it's such a, it's not, he has to be able to, that dude has to be able to go back and forth with Jack Nicholson doing what he's doing right now. You know what yeah. I mean? You got to be able to keep up with that. You know what I mean? And not be lost in the moment or fucking forget your line because you're watching what he's doing. What he's right. doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's doing a lot. That's for sure. He's working. That's that no, yeah. other way to, no other way to put it. He's working. Telling the story, ripping the arm out of the socket. Up oh, here she comes. Jack, Jack, I fucked up. There's somebody else in this place. Right? Seriously, you got to really feel bad for her though, because like then he's like, whatever. Because you get, you, at first, you're like, well, who else would it be? It's got to be him. He just don't want to admit it, so he can kind of take her stance on it. But, then but it's like, how do you, going? but it's also like, too, at the same time, you're like, you know, how can there be somebody else in there and nobody sees them except for the kid? And he's finished. At this point, he's crossed over, I think. I feel like he's there. Like that, there, when he takes the fake drinks is when I think he fully lets it into his soul, if you will. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the symbolism yeah. right there is, is that it's, he's gone. He's, you look in his eyes right now and he's ready to kill her off. Right. Are we in fucking Scatman's place? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think we're, so. Look at those feet. Yep. Quentin Tarantino would love those feet. Right? That's the double lamp. <laughs> it's a brown sugar fur horn. Yeah. That's symmetry. That, that symmetry, again. Fucking yep. Kubrick, man. It's wild. Money green. Money green bedspread. He's like I rest in big trees down That's to a, a, a heat, man. He's got a little bit of that Bubba Gump face going a little bit. Just, just lying. Yeah, guys. Just lying there straight as a pin. That like, his dentures out to get ready for bed. That's real man posture. Don't let it fool you. That dude's ready to kick <laughs> ass at any fucking moment. I like that poster on the back, the picture on the back of his wall. Aren't you? You I know, would love to own that. There's got to be read reproductions of that fucking poster. And look at the one over the TV's even better. We're going to have Alex Hawk pose like that for <laughs> promo pictures. <laughs> that would be like funny. It. That shirt's dope. You could wear that today and be just as cool. It's a hot yeah, yeah, probably. Goddamn right. With some blue jeans. <laughs> He's getting a blowjob right now. See, that's... The, head, the head's cut off. Yeah. That's the one... That's creepy. Like, it looks like he's getting ready to die or something. Aren't we all? 
Yeah, pretty much. Well, he's getting... <laughs> he's, he's getting, getting riding. Yeah, he's getting the shinning. Yeah. Coming for, coming through. Tune in to he, Danny Torrance. He sees the Danny. horrors. He sees all yeah. the bats about to go down. Well, I mean, he's got a. I mean, is this, is this poor baby foaming at the mouth and shit? Like, I've always wondered how they got this because this was this was a, that's tough. I remember he was a scary. kid, like wow, he's go. Even as a kid, before I even realized he was an actor, I was like, he's going there, dude. <laughs> like I he should have gotten rug. an award for that performance. That rug is very Suspiria. Little oh yeah, little little Alka Seltzer in the mouth though. Like oh yeah, just that face that. <laughs> Like, I wonder yeah. what the direction was for him to be like. It's like, what were you thinking with the colors and patterns in this? Like, in Salem's Lot, there was a lot of blues. And in this, is just yeah. a lot of crazy, like, patterns and colors that are all kind of thrown together. Yeah. This movie yeah. has a lot of orange. Warm colors. Yeah. Yep. I've noticed it's that. Not, yeah. Nice. Earth tones. Very anti-horror movie. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't find those in a in a horror movie, generally speaking. That's a beautiful layout. Yeah, it is. He's fucking ready to go, dude. He's all turned on. He's all hot and heavy. He's like, we're going to hump. That's right. Slowly pulling back the curtain, and you go, oh, well. It's a oh, ghost. look, hot chick, and then you blink. Ghost humping. It is ghost little, humping. It gets a little further. Horrifying. This was too yeah. much. This was too much. I think this might have been the first time I've seen the naked person on screen, too. One of them, for yeah. sure. The fucking moldy flesh. Yeah, that scene was, like, disturbing. Look that- at him. He's fucking loving it, dude. He is not disturbed at this moment. He's like, how did I know? How, how did I not know this hot piece of ass was in this in this hotel? I mean, that's Scatman's girl. We yeah. shall we shall be slightly intimidated by the three tons of bush going on there, but that's okay. That's okay. Good old seventies porno, you know. Sure. Sure. That's uh. That can be difficult to navigate. It takes a skilled hand. But... <laughs> Don't get caught up in tangles. Moves forward. Oh. She's got more bush than body. That's okay. That's what I'm saying. It was the time. Saying. It was the time. It was the time. Like, it almost looks like she's got underwear on because of it. there's so much there. You've seen all the snow outside. It's cold, though. <laughs> I'm going to keep it warm. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado. I want to get chopped up. Need those, need those lip warmers. <laughs> That does have a very Susperia look to that. That even like the the gold ring around it, very Susperia like. Mm-hmm. I I always I always felt that this movie had a little bit of an Argento. I think he could have been plucking. I think Cooper could have been paying some homage to the Italian uh, maestro Vali Argento. It's it's very it's it, but it's very I mean not like. The other Giallo guys, like it's not, it doesn't look like a Baba. Right. It's very specific to the, the decisions Argento made in the seventies with his films. Yeah, you know, even beyond that, like 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 eighties, like Argento got kind of cheesy. 
Ugh, that right Ooh, there is absolutely disgusting. Oh, there you that go. That fucking ass bubble. That's, so, that's such that's such fantastic special effects makeup right there. He's back in the oh, oh, oh shit, laughing. He got a new dad. Yeah, he shot some dope himself. Oh, like I really want to know what how they got that poor little boy into the, that mode where he could actually sit there and be like foaming at the mouth and whatnot. It's like they put him in a freezer to get cold. <laughs> like, like that poor kid is going right now. <laughs> I mean, my guess is it was probably a little more benign than that. It was makeup and just uh, he was getting tickled and told not to laugh or something. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was probably much safer than it looks. Kubrick would tell you just out of have story, to and he did bad bad things just so it would be like, you hear about this? I like that blue. Mm-hmm. I'm blue. Da, ba, da, ba, do, do. Nice orange in the background. It's a very strange mix. That's a player's pad. The, the patterns, the colors, everything that they you know put together, it's all... Everything is odd. You know, that was the 80s. You know, that stuff was cool. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Dr. Strangelove scene that looks a lot like this, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there is. You're not wrong. But see, I mean, like, look at that. Like, you just, like, that whole, this whole scene, even her costume, just earth tone, earth tone, mm-hmm. earth tone, earth tone. Very... Very un. I mean, like that scene with Halloran five seconds ago looked is probably the most horror movie looking scene in the whole thing. Yeah, you know, even though the movie's terrifying. <laughs> if the scene I'm thinking is coming right now, it's the one that you know everybody remembers about this movie. He's talking about the teddy bear scene. <laughs> yeah, when he come out a little bit. Yeah. When he when he goes through the door in the bathroom. Oh, that one. Yeah. Well, that's iconic. I thought you were talking about the dude getting a blowjob from the teddy bear. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's such a weird fucking scene. Like, I didn't, like as a kid, I, I remember being young, not knowing what the fuck was going on. And then, find, then like, getting old enough to know what it is and still being like, what the fuck's going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I think Very... that's part of the beauty of it. It's just so weird. It's like the fact that you don't know what's going on is what's kind of makes you go, huh? What? Well, he left a lot of implication. Was there anything else in the book about weird animal sex stuff like that? No. He had a no, weird it was like a bestiality. Sex. Like it was obviously a costume <laughs> thing. I think what it went it was leaning in to say that those people having that party in that picture weren't good people. They were all bad people. Well, that's true. They don't. They don't talk about that. There, there's no animal oral sex. In, in the book, but mm. a lot of people that went to the Overlook in its heyday were not very good people. Yeah, yeah. Which is part of what kicked this whole thing off in the first place. But it actually, it's interesting, because if you, like, read um, The Dark Tower a little bit, and uh, some other stuff in the in the greater connected Stephen King universe... Yeah. It talks about beacons of evil. Yeah. Right? And I mean it references to the Marston House in Salem's lot, the Overlook. These places attract evil. Hmm. 
they're just something about the ground ain't right. The fucking the landlord didn't quite exercise it well. What they called it a, a conduit. Yeah, a conduit, a conduit for evil, a beacon for evil. It attracts. Yep. They attract spiritual evil, which attracts evil men. Right. Which is why you get Kurt Barlow or someone who could be an evil man, which is Jack Torrance, easily susceptible to influence. Corrupted, yeah. Easily corrupted. But yeah, no, there's there's a few other spots that they nod to from the King verse. As, as beacons of evil, but yeah, like it's it's the ground, it's 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 the you know the pet cemetery, the ground sour. It's just it's it's rotten to the core. Yep. That's that is a pretty good visual for showing because you get that Illuminati, you get that evil Illuminati feel when you see that scene with that bunny and teddy bear, whatever it is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that the whole... dark, dark sex party, even satanic shit. You know what I mean? I think it, and Mild... I know that, that that wasn't in the book. I didn't know that. No, that's not so. in the book. That's not in the book. Mild precursor to Eyes Wide Shut, maybe. Yeah, 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 for sure. The movie that got him killed. Oh, he's walking with a purpose. Right? Seriously. Very, very, very stoic and studious right here. Getting ready. I'd love to own that fucking bunny costume. That's got to be somewhere. I don't imagine they'd throw that out. Some millionaire owns that, probably. There's stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's probably sitting in a vault at Warner Brothers, like, just there. Like Shit how, that would all make us, you know, cream our shorts. Well, Matt, how cool would it be to have that, like, the white phallus from Clockwork Orange that he kills that chick with that he fucking slams down? Like, that's in some... Oh, yeah. That's in the some dong chair? Room. Yeah, huh? the dong chair. No, the oh, dong no, statue. Is, Wasn't it? No, it was, he had the, it was like the a statue. statue. Two, two balls. Oh, oh. Head with? it was. Yeah. It was artwork. It, it, was, yeah. it, was a, it was a dong sculpture. Yeah, when I mean, they do the singing in the rain... Dude, I'd That's love right. To own anything from that movie? That'd be dope. Just give me the masks. I, I'd take a mask. Yeah. I think Malcolm McDowell will tell stories about working on that. And he goes, "We did the movie together, me and Stanley were the bestest of friends, and then after the movie, we never talked again. He never called me again. <laughs> He's a busy man, Malcolm. Malcolm, chill out, buddy. Chill out. I don't. I don't. I mean." I wouldn't expect Stanley Kubrick to invite anybody over for fucking Passover. Let's be so, honest. Yeah, he's a, yeah, I think that he was more. He had his 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 inner circle with his family and his assistants, and that's where the buck stopped when he wants to make it a movie. Yeah, I mean, you might be uh, friendly with you on set, I, I suppose, but I don't think that's a guy that takes his work home with him. In certain degrees. This house was filled with a lot of like materials for upcoming films and stuff. He's a big big reader and researcher. It's funny, I know he had dudes that had like full time jobs that just quit to be like his assistants throughout life. They just were like, I just wanna work under you. I mean 
I, I'd do it too. If given half the chance. Very know. few directors alive that I would I would literally consign all possession and and in lifestyle to to work under. But there's some people that just you just know what they're doing is profound. And I mean, one way or another, however you feel about Kubrick, mm. his body of work's profound. My, my my favorite filmmaker of all time. Love him. Big old fan. We were just watching Full movie. Metal Jacket the other night. Classic. What movie that Kubrick made isn't, though? That's that's the thing. That's fact. It's tough to say. And there's very few people that rule in that circle. You only did just, like 10 are just flawless. He didn't get a whole bunch compared to other people. I think he did maybe 10 or 12 films. But they, I mean, every film he did changed the landscape. Oh, dude, for sure. Like, his his 10 films are fucking beyond. Fucking beyond, you know what I mean? There's really few filmmakers that hold that caliber of respect amongst other filmmakers and the audience. It's... It's a very small circle of people. If somebody spilled their cocktail on Kubrick's fucking jacket like this, they'd be cr- on their knees crying, begging for forgiveness. I'm wondering how long at this point in the movie that he's actually been awake for, because they don't show him asleep again, you know, from that scene where she woke him up. So I yeah. wonder if, like, lack of sleep is starting to play in with this as well. It's possible. Judging I mean, by the look on his face... Through this half of the, I mean, through through this part of film on, nine, ten days. No At sleep. least, like, totally manic. Yeah. I mean, you could say this was kind of a dream state. You know what I mean? I would say so. Within his head type deal. Yeah. Or he's just going through the motions with nobody else there. They're well, going to dr- drop a big N-bomb up in the air. And get the mm. whole movie canceled. <laughs> Hating on fucking Scatman. Right? Hating on Scatman. What a what a mistake. Never do it, that's how you end up dead. More red. Yeah, red's big. Very solid, again, the solid colors. Not a lot of pattern work. Very. This is one of the more tame rooms. I wonder if he was trying to give a hell. I wonder if he was trying to give like a hell vibe or something like this. Because he's definitely crossed crossed the line into like this treacherous place. You know what I mean? I've always equated the red in the bathroom to be complimenting the conversation because he's talking about violence. He's talking about how he's got to go kill his wife and kid. Yeah, Yeah. so he's seeing Red as is because he's mm-hmm. so mad. So, you know, they incorporated it into, you know, the scenery around him too to suit his mood. I don't, I, I don't necessarily discredit the theory that it may represent some sort of hellish, hellish dimension dimensional thing, but I definitely think that there's a 
a heavy hand of like because red is the color of violence. Let's be honest. Yeah, it could be blood to represent all the you know, like blood, blood. Oh, the blood spilled in there for people mm. that were murdered or whatever. The yeah. red. I mean, I mean the red. There's a lot just, of ways to take it. It could be the red flag that they're waving in front of a bull. Mm. There's they say red cars are more uh, more prone to have accidents. Yeah. Yeah. And get tickets. And yet, tickets cause ruckus. No, red's a very uh, provocative color. It, it it definitely makes your mind go to certain places that other things might not. Like a a, a woman wearing red lipstick. Yeah. Bingo. Why was that mean? What wearing red lipstick like? Yeah. I, it just it's just it's just a color that stands out. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's accentuating that. I thought it meant something. More. No, not not to my knowledge. Anyway. I remember there was something years back where uh, bracelets or something like that. If you wore a certain color bracelet, like in the in the in like the fucking rave community, if you wore a certain color bracelet, it meant you were down for certain sexual acts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't know if a lipstick meant, you know, something like that. Well, not to me. I don't ever wear, I hardly ever wear any, you know, makeup or anything anyway. But, like, it's just, to me, like, just certain colors just accentuate It does. It makes different it, it things. It makes it pop. Yeah, for sure. I like a nice neon color. Yeah. He's trying to take in this madness that he's being told. Yeah, because he looks so confused right now. He looks. He looks like it looks like this scene was shot before the, the scene where Wendy comes up because he's more like together in this scene. But the scene mm-hmm. before, he was like all more like broken up and on the on the verge of insanity. He's very. Uh, he's like a baby. He's he's like cowering to this dude. Like this dude definitely has the upper hand over him, I and mean, he's looked like a wimp compared to mm-hmm. this dude. He's kind of got the fuck. It looks like uh, Reggie from Phantasm a little bit. Mm. He does, yeah. Scene. Now the interesting I've always found interesting about Kubrick's version in, in the book, it's very it's laid out that the place is haunted. Yeah, right. That these are all individual ghosts, and you know they're doing dark shit. But Kubrick kind of does this in an interesting way because I've always wondered if in Kubrick's vision, if it's individual ghosts doing this kind of thing or if it's the hotel yeah, and that it's just projecting these personifications, these souls it's taken. I think it's that. That'd be my take on it. Yeah, I've always thought it was the hotel and the souls that, you know, that were trapped inside. Like, if you lot, like, when Jack dies there eventually and his soul's in there, it can use, like it does in Dr. Sleep, like how they use him as, like, a puppet, you know what I mean? They use him as a pawn. Bingo. Like, I mean, well, it's the last shot of the movie that really kind of always made me think that that was what it was, because then you see... Jack in the picture in the picture with all of the people that you've seen throughout the movie as ghosts, quote yeah. unquote. Well, he's stuck. Yeah, he's definitely stuck. It's like a prison for him for sure. Yeah, yeah. they added they added his soul to the collection. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I always thought that, that was 
more the hotel's doing yeah. than any kind of individual ghosts. I think you're I right. feel like the hotel is talking to him through Grady right now. Yeah. You know, we mostly ghostly we talk about entities and stuff and things you wouldn't quite know. If you can't comprehend what something is, it would come to you in in a looking like something you could comprehend, like another human, but it's really like the evil of the house or the hotel, yeah. if you will. I think you're yeah. gotta I think you're correct. I think that's that's what it is. And she's the only one fucking not even she's shooken up, but the true victim, probably, of this whole like she, thing. She's literally hanging by a thread. Yeah. One to say the least. Yeah. Did she have another uh, wardrobe change since the last time we seen her? No, she's no, still wearing those coveralls. Yeah, she had a sweater on her over it at one point, but... Oh, no, she's she's in her final battle regiment. Final mode. battle mode. <laughs> The final boss mode. The yellow. That's where the Uggs phase really came into play was from this movie. That's what it is. Yeah, and again, like those earth tones, man. This whole movie is earth tone. Well, at least the interiors. The exteriors get very horror movie. Yeah. A A lot of blue, a lot of black. I think if you keep it at plain, the backgrounds were plain for the intense moments, you know what I mean? Because he doesn't want you thinking about anything but what's, like what they're doing. Well, I think I think that's exactly what it is. He simplified the color schemes on the sets, and it makes his actors pop more. Yeah. You're not thinking about anything else. There's no elaborate scenery to like distract you. I really like that lighting right there. That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kubrick was originally a photographer. That was his first deal. No, he definitely has an eye. For sure. You got two of them, believe it or not. <laughs> I wonder if he'll do his uh, just like pictures in a just like pictures in a book, Danny. I'm going to go get your autograph. I wonder what his autograph is. I hope it ain't 50 bucks. I'd be horrified. I think it was, I I think when I saw him at Scaricon, I think it was like, he was like the least expensive of everybody that was there. <laughs> it was like $25, $30. So That's exactly what it should be. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking too. Yeah. Because he's worth it. Like he's definitely worth it. I'd love, to, I'd love to fucking have a conversation with this dude and just hear about the making of The Shining. Uh, and I'd pay for his autograph. Oh, yeah. Orange. Orange, you glad you're going to die soon? Right. Here, I'm going to take this apart. It's a new puzzle. Technology. He don't like it either. <laughs> He's a natural man. Yes. Like, hey, go, Wendy. Try and put this back together. He doesn't smash, though. He could always come back and fix it himself. Well, he's not that stupid. Mm. Gets gold up there. Scatman's still trying to get to the bottom of this from Florida. 
I feel like his trip from Florida to Colorado is the shortest trip from Florida to Colorado of all time. Oh, yeah. That's like uh, the day after tomorrow where they walk to California from New York in like three hours. Yeah. I thought it was Philadelphia to New York, but still. <laughs> <laughs> still. Come on now. That still would take someone even a long time in weather. You'd no, be dead. In that hell weather. yeah. There's no way. That's the, that's the beauty of film. Make the impossible <laughs> possible. He's, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's also the the fact that they fell through a fucking mall on the way there. Yeah, right. Seriously, there was that much snow that snow cover that they couldn't tell they were walking on top of that. You'd think you'd fall through it, anyways. Being so mm-hmm. light, light snowfall. Well, I mean, with, with the temperature being cold enough and then all yeah, the right. extra weight. That's true. The power of love is what made him walk so fast. They, spe- they speed walked them because they love I got I got to get so my much. boy. Got to go save him from that flooded basement at the New York library. The original ending, he finally got there and the kid died of an overdose before it got to him. <laughs> that was the 2021 version. Oh, no, he froze to death and they found him in that... That's what, the kids call it. That's what the kids call it nowadays when you overdose. Freezing death. <laughs> yeah, like it was a popsicle. <laughs> Cut through chili. chili for Bobby. Froze to death. Uh, I just need a little something to keep warm, Dad. <laughs> exactly. Very nice. I like that. You think that's a matte painting? You think that's straight up reality? Knowing Kubrick, oh. that's straight up. Yeah, I like that. That's got a good look to it. Yeah, that's got that heat. That's like filmed beautifully. No, and no, and Kubrick, it's legit. Yeah, it, that's a set <laughs> with that much snow. <laughs> Here we have the blizzard of seventy-seven. I was trying to see if that sign said Duncan's. That I thought that said Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> looked like it. Yeah, I was like, no way, it couldn't be that. That's how I'm like. I'm trying to look, and I'm like. <laughs> At the airport now. I was in Boston last week, and I actually saw someplace with a payphone. I was shocked. Yeah, every now and then I see them. Yeah, over in Quincy Market, over in that area. That's still a thing. Every now wow. and then you'll see some payphones. Yeah, that's wild. Not, not all of them actually have like the actual phone attached to it. It's just like the keypad part. Mm. But it's, it's it's just there. Yeah, but you'll randomly you'll find some that are actually still intact. They probably don't work, but they're still intact. That's wild, man. I, I tend to take I tend to take pictures of it just because it's so funny because you hardly ever see them anymore. I think the canal down by the Cape has a row of them. Makes sense. Yeah, there used to be a gas station down the street from my house where I'm at right now, and they had pay phones in there out in their parking lot behind mm-hmm. in the back where they have like the gauge to put air in your tire and all that stuff. And like within the last year or two, they got rid of them. Yeah. Was that a Halloran driving up there, right? Yeah. This is me trying to drive home yeah. from Wakefield in the middle of a blizzard. Cause I didn't want to uh, have to get stuck in at work. Well, here's, I think that shot of the car off the road. Yeah. The, the little, Oh, jab. Yeah. But what I find funny about this, too, again, like, his whole trip, 
it was quick. It was weird. It was it was super fast, and he somehow got up a mountain trail that's been snowed over in a blizzard. Yeah, Colorado, nobody. Yeah, ain't nobody driving half fast yeah. through a snowstorm in Colorado. <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, he swaps it for the snowcat to get up the mountain trail, but just getting that far with the Buick seems a little outlandish. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, because my car probably would have gotten stuck in the snow like five miles back. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I got four-wheel drive. I'd still be afraid of doing that shit. For real. He rented that car, too. He was at an airport. So he must have just came in. He went to Hertz, talked to O.J. Simpson, got himself a Buick. <laughs> That's so good. Their room looks like their house. That's how homey. That's how homey she likes to keep it for everybody. They have that same fucking... Well, I mean, the, those coveralls, man. That's definitely home, homey. And it's just, it's just the combination of things she's got on. like That flannel? The flannel, the turtleneck. She's got on, you can clearly see that she's probably got on, like, those, like, thick-ass stockings that, you know, people mm. used to wear back in the 80s. And then she's got on them ugly-looking boots that are, like, up to her knees with the corduroy dress, you know? It's almost <laughs> as if she knows she's going to have to run in a fucking maze outside in the cold soon. Like, with, the, with that belt loop on the back of that dress, all she's missing is, like, a hammer or something because she's got a perfect weapon holder right there. Oh, so she's bobbed the she building. She goes with the baseball bat. Yes! Ooh. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. <laughs> hey, batter, batter. Boy, ain't eating no more. Something happened. Nope. Hey, batter, batter, batter. Yeah. Here's some intensity for I don't. Her. I don't know how much she's really going to do holding that baseball bat where she is, but, you know. No. She never had to hold it like that before. She was used to the old uh, gym days of gym. Playing some baseball. She never had to go after a hubby with it. I think she. I think the only thing she's ever swung in her life is a wiffle ball bat. She doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. That's true. Always I've always play. I've always thought that baseball bats were like a terrible choice for like self defense or home defense. Yeah, they're very unwieldy. They're not That's made. True. They're not made to do the things that people think they're made to do. I mean, I'm guilty of saying I have one beside my bed, though. You gotta <laughs> make it that, that first hit has to be really impactful. Yeah, yeah because you're not going to get a second because you got to really rear back with the thing. Like it just seems a little inflexible for what people think that they should be using it for. <laughs> yeah, I end up breaking more stuff around <laughs> me than with trying to hit the person I'm trying to hit. You're better off with a gun. Yeah. yeah, no, um, I'm not allowed to have one of those anymore. <laughs> just don't tell anybody. Yeah, we just, we just told everybody. You just don't tell anybody that you have the gun, and then yeah. when somebody breaks into your house, you're like, surprise! Right, and seriously. Like, Wendy should have had a gun. For real. Sure. That's like how I mean, you would have at least thought maybe there'd be one on the property anyways, just as a precautionary measure if something I went bet down. There is. But you know Somewhere. Yeah. I just don't but, know where it is. 
again, office. manager's office and his desk drawer. <laughs> right. You would you would have thought though, like Halloran's going up there to stop this horrible thing from happening. Halloran would have gone up there strapped, but it's just him. Yeah, that's it. But then again, if he knows what he's dealing with, you can't really you can't shoot a ghost. You know what I mean? But he can shoot Jack. He liked Jack though. Jack was a good guy. He was trying to turn him around. Yeah, that played out well for him. Very devious chest chop. Like a Ric Flair chest chop with that axe. Poof. <laughs> fucking him yeah. up. The funny thing about that is in the book, Halloran doesn't die. No? Not at all. He saved the day? He doesn't save the day either, really. But he doesn't just show up to get fucking an axe to the chest. How do they play him out? He helps Danny and Wendy escape. escape. He he gets them out of there. Hmm. I wonder why they changed that part of it. I I think because of how pointless it is, yeah, and how much it's built up in the movie to just be like this drop off the face of the earth moment. Yeah. That's just like what the fuck was the point of that? I think it was just spite. And it's, it, is, it is very, if, when he gets chopped in the chest, it's a very effective moment in the film. Yeah, you because think, you think the help's gone. Help. Yeah. Yeah, you think he's going to help, and then it's, uh, you think help's finally here, and it's just, oof, done. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I think it's a little bit he wanted that moment, especially for the people who had read the book, to go, oh, oh, damn. Okay, yeah. there's no help in them. Like, it was the kill-all hope, but at the same time, I also think it was spite. Could have been. I, I, think, I think a little bit of it at that point was Kubrick being a little petty, and him saying, oh, fuck your ending, and this is how I'm going to fuck your ending. Sorry. Be all right. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I, well, you know, when you do, and then if people know the ending, you got to give them a little... A little pizzazz, a little fire under their under their ass. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not discrediting it now, at all. Very different outlook on it than when I I first saw it when I was younger. Yeah, that's the elevator too, and that elevator would never fill up with blood like it does. I mean, like the outer when it comes out, and you see it push the chairs up against the frame. Like that, 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 the dynamic of that room doesn't make sense either. If we're gonna go uh, room two, three, seven on, on the world, yeah. You're sorry. Like when he's, she must have been like, he was very scary in this. He was very easy to play off of, but she did a great job too. You got to get, you know, nobody's taking anything away from her, and she really did a great job with being. When you get to moments like this, this is where the real acting, her real acting, comes in. Oh, hell yeah, because like yeah, her nose That's her nose is all red, funny. her eyes are all red and puffy, like she was cry- you know, you like she's legit going through her emotions right now, getting it all out. Right. I wonder if that was kind of the issue in the overall. Being in that her be as an as a good actress, being in that mode for hours, you're gonna get crabby. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. You're gonna have to throw her a Snickers or something. And, I, and the scene that she freaked out on was that she was running outside in the snow. And uh, I don't think she liked that. 
I mean, it had to be super cold too. I mean, it's oh, Colorado, yeah. you know. Well, a lot of those exteriors were on location, but the fake snow. Yeah, it was yeah. fake snow. I know they're trying to open up one of the doors. There was a part when she's running outside, going into the hotel, and she like pulls on a door. She had a lot of trouble with pulling that door open. That was an issue. You had to see Kubrick be like, "God damn it, Shelley!" <laughs> I always laugh. I don't think it's as bad as Shelley said it was. I think that I think life's just been bad to Shelley, unfortunately. So she's just yeah. kind of scrambling a little bit, but. We, we send our love to Shelly Duval. Sure. Ah! I like I like in Doctor Sleep how they make this hotel look so much darker. You know, yeah, when they go back to it at the end, and how much scarier it seems in Doctor Sleep than right. Well, now. it's been sitting there in decaying yeah. for years at that point. Yeah, you know. But it's just cool to see all of it again. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, that's why I'm, my main, when I heard there was a, a Shining 2, I had no interest, even though I knew we I read the book. I actually did read uh, Dr. Sleep. Um, and I was, like, hard on it, very hard on it. And when they started showing clips of the original Shining, that's when they won me over. Before I went, and then I, they won me over enough to go watch the movie. And then I went to the theater, I watched it, and it was, I was blown away at how good it was. But I almost didn't watch it at all. <laughs> Yeah, this is like one of uh, that. This and that are like one of my favorites to watch, especially watching them back to back. It's a good double feature. Yeah, so I remember somebody who fell asleep the first time they watched Doctor Sleep. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a long movie, man. It is, and it doesn't help when you're watching it after you've worked a, an 18 hour day and you come home and smoke a blunt and then decide you're going to watch it. Oh, <laughs> that'll put you in the hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom, that's a good stunt. Yeah, for real. Jack didn't do that, but somebody had to do that, and that looked painful. That looked that's, really painful. That's back when yeah, the stuntmen, there was it was like you could be paralyzed at the end of tomorrow and we'll give you an extra twenty bucks. For real. Here's a pencil. Yeah. Here's a production. This like I can't believe she's product. pulling him across this floor. Like she doesn't look like is it about yeah. one foot, too, or something like that? Mm-hmm. No, it's two feet. No, but just the way she's doing it, like... She's lucky she can carry the clothing on her back around. Yeah, exactly. Let alone, fucking, let, alone fucking, let alone him. Yeah. There's truth in that statement. <laughs> she, was, she was attractive for a time. She had a certain look, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, who doesn't love olive oil? I agree. Olive yeah. oil would be big nowadays. I feel like she, if Shelley Duvall was born into this generation, should uh, be should have, should be a heroine of more people. Just that, the, just the pale, the pale skin and the black hair is fucking put her over for a bunch of people. Yeah, right. All those people with a witch fetish. Everybody that watches, coming out. Everybody that watches American Horror Story would love her. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She'd be a she'd be a smash on that show. She would be. I'm surprised they never. Well, I guess you know. I've heard speculation. She kind of lost her mind. But if she had it together, I bet she would be working. Or that she should be at least. Did she? Did she ever go on the convention circuit? 
No. No, I don't think so. Like high class, high caliber actors don't. They don't apply. Doing the doing the con circuit is fucking uh, an embarrassment. I've talked to actors where they've said that's an embarrassment. Going on the going and signing pictures, and I was like, I mean, I don't think so. Like, I love going to get them from the right people, but it was like, there was a certain caliber, and I think she's in it. In the same way, like you don't see her because I don't think she would do a low budget film. I don't think she'd do a mid-budget film. She would only do, like, a Hollywood film. That's why you don't see her. Like, she'd definitely... If we were making a film... And wanted She's to not going to be money, in it. Like, you know what I mean? She, I don't think that's the deal. Which is kind of... I could see her having a second life in India. Dude, a lot of people from yesterday's past could probably have a good second life in doing indie, low-budget films and the convention circuit at the same time. Yep. Because uh-huh. we've rebuild that fan base and you know present yourself to a younger generation and she, she is iconic though there's so she's been a lot a part of a lot of really great films and she, i mean she's super talented it is what it mm-hmm. is uh i think yeah she i think she's got that that old movie star mentality where she doesn't want to almost she doesn't want to take a step back unfortunately sometimes you have to but i think she just doesn't want to lower herself if you will the look on his face, right? Like you, you cannot help but wonder what's going through his mind <laughs> to to get these expressions out of him. I believe Kubrick shot this. This was Kubrick holding the camera. Uh-huh. In the documentary, I think they they show him. Go check out the the fucking cat. <laughs> Go check it out. Go check out the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Go check him out. Goodbye. He does a little fucking finger thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a madman, dude. Like the look on him. His, yeah, he's officially lost it right there. With the crazy hair, the big smile. This was the part where she had issue. Yeah. And, it, and the funny part is, is it doesn't look like there's that much snow against it where it should have been an issue to push it open. Yeah, it probably got, if it's fake, then it probably got packed in. Because it was real snow, but, like, they made it. Mm-hmm. Like, with their little fucking, their hose. Yeah, like, they do up at the snow lifts and stuff, and they don't exactly. get enough snow for the season. Exactamundo, yeah. Mel, exactamundo. But fake snow, fake snow is, like, wet, heavy snow. So, mm-hmm. enough of it falls, it just kind of settles in on itself. And that's real hard to uh, maneuver. He had enough of it piled up. You know, the funny thing is, is I never remembered her running out of the hotel with that knife in her hand. Yeah. It's a big knife. Yeah. That's something you can't really, you know, that's like, that would be like, say, Jason Voorhees running through the forest with a machete and not realizing he was running through the forest with a machete. Mm. Uh-huh. Gotta go through the window next time she leaves the yeah. hotel. He's chilling. He was drunk again. Another dose. Shot another dose of his arm again, dude. Was, it, like, was he using a rice bag as a pillow? I would. Hey. Yeah, he's making he, sure he's where, comfortable in that. Where he is, you don't need pillows, Mal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The mind state he's in right now, anything could be a pillow. Nice fluffy cloud. You can sleep on that 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 knife with the blade in his ear and probably still sleep. That big old tub of peanut butter open next to him. Hey, when you get hungry, man. Whatever that is. Man's got to eat. Good protein in peanut butter, man. 
That's Jeff peanut butter, I think. Yeah. Product placement, eating crackers too. There's like a bunch of other food that's better than that around him that he could use, but he's eating peanut butter and crackers. Yeah. So he's just soak up the alcohol. That's what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, most of that stuff in there anyway, like the canned goods anyway, like there's nothing in there for him. What's he going to do? Sit there and drink barbecue sauce? He's been drinking rubbing alcohol the whole moment. For real. <laughs> he's drinking he's, barbecue cleaner. He's been taking that fucking Listerine. <laughs> Listerine shots. There's Native American coffee behind him, I think. Yeah, that's that's, that's the scene I was ta- I was yeah. talking about with where they were trying to get the cans placed a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To spell out. Calumet or whatever it was. That was one of the more believable things in the doc that they went through the, the aggravation of lining stuff up like that. Yeah. Lose it his mind. Now the door is going to open up by itself. Yeah. He's got friends in high places. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's in with the management. Yeah. Yeah, right. His boys came and let him out. His buddy, the bartender. Oh, Lloyd. Yep. Lloyd's there. That, I know that jacket sold. Recently they sold that jacket and a couple of the axes at an auction for big money. Oh, I bet it was a lot. Dude, I would imagine being able to own one of those axes from the movie just to put on a nice mantle. I'd have it. Hell yeah. I would never be able to afford it, but I, I would take one for they sure. Went for an ungodly <laughs> amount of money, yeah. But that's why I like asking people, like when they've been on set, like if they've kept anything, especially like you know, it makes you wonder: did he keep anything from this movie when they were wrapped and you know ready to pack everything up for usually, usually a memory? Usually you have to steal it, unfortunately, because they want to take everything back to have just in case reshoots and shit. So yeah. When you, when you see people that have things, a vest or something that, they, that was from the production, they were either high up enough for them to say, okay, take it to keep you happy, or they stole it. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what it comes down to. You're a wardrobe girl, Mad Mel. You know that. Yeah, I know. I people stay on the stay on the Sasquatch suit from fucking <laughs> fair game. Cruising. Now he's cold. Right? <laughs> you still got the blue outside the window, though, which is nice. And it's that same tone of blue from, like, Salem's Lot, too, which he, is he, nice. Yeah, he looks really fucking cold. I can't imagine those. Th- I wonder, like, that just makes you wonder now. Obviously, that thing is not heated. Oh, no. That thing probably has, like, inch holes in it all around. Like, it's not even connected, probably. The wind blows through that thing. Like, <laughs> you're done. Like a but yet, door. But yet, you're going to send a mother and her child down the mountain on that bad boy. Well, it's it's 1980. It's yeah. also 1980, so it's it's from a time before car. most cars had central air conditioning of any kind. No, I had central air conditioning right there. They're all connected. <laughs> Four cars were connected. So when yeah. Through. <laughs> now she's sleeping. She's depressed. Poor Wendy. 
She's about to wake up. That's just a life. scary sight, though, right? Seriously, you wake up and your child's standing over you with a giant butcher knife. Yeah, that's scary stuff. And then you see the red rum on the door. And just the way he's just holding that knife, like, I'm... I'd be panicked. Done. He knows how to use that knife. Yeah, that's how Michael Myers became Michael Myers. <laughs> it's funny because if you put red rum on a mirror, the right person will actually get really scared. I've done it throughout my days. My mother used to get really fucking creeped out by it because this movie bothered her like that. She can't do horror at all. Oh. Looks like Tommy Jarvis's room. Right? <laughs> no, well, that... I don't think so. <laughs> that blade's nice, though. That's, that's like uh, that's definitely a Michael Myers, you know. Table. I was about to say that's a very, that's a very Myers kitchen knife, it's right? Like there. a arrow blade, right there. That's big. It's a big fake knife. That's what she said. Oh, <laughs> plain Jane to own this door. It'd be cool to own this door with the red rum on it. That'd be dope. With the axe, yeah, pole. yeah, that would be really dope. These are all. This is all set stuff, I think, right? Too. So, this all got fucking thrown in a dump. Yeah, this yeah. all. This all. This all got that demoed. The, the, it, it. It's gone now. I wonder how many times he wrote red rum. Red how many rum. times he had to say it? No one. No one. Oh, a lot, actually. No one. Kubrick. He made that kid do that about three thousand four hundred and thirty-seven times. She was moving a little quick with that knife next to that kid's face. For real, and even right now with it behind his back, she's like still swinging it around. Yeah. Oh, row. Here we go. Beautiful. As we come to the climactic, you know, almost ending of this movie. Yellow and blue. Yellow and blue. Lots of yellow and blue. Yep. Like like James has been saying, a lot of it's just everything's very earth toned. Yeah. Well, I think that has to do with the Native American vibe. There are the it could. Are it could. Small ass window here. Seriously, and then look at—I I, I still—I just find it funny the way the snow's built up outside of it. <laughs> Luckily, we have a snowdrift to slide down. Yeah, from like the fifth floor. Yeah. Here's Johnny. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> That, quite possibly the only dude that can bring humor to complete insanity. You know what I mean? Like, you can laugh yeah. at him. And you don't, would never want to be in the room with him while he was doing it. You know what I mean? Like, having to deal with him in character as, like, you know, a character in the film, you don't want nothing to do with that, but you laugh. It's almost like you could turn around being chased by him and get a laugh at something crazy he was doing. Like it's snow. Just push it away and make room for yourself to go out the window. Yeah. Uh, she would find a way. Like, she, no, but it's funny. Like she's like shaking the snow off because it's cold. But yet, your little boy is outside at the bottom of that mountain of snow that you're about to slide down with no coat or anything on. I have a I have a rule. If I'm if I'm ever in a situation, I go through the window. I don't worry about opening it. I just throw my body as hard as I can, hopefully breaking it. In my nightmares, that's what I do. Kick it repeatedly. Right. Until it breaks. She could easily get through that if she wanted to. Oh my god, yeah. You know, it's just the dramatic effect. 
the dramatic pause before, you know, she finally does get out. Very blue. I'll off and I'll puff. <laughs> Iconic. I mean, if you're going to murder your family, at least have a little fun with it. You right? Make them feel comfortable. You know, you know some <laughs> some stories for the kid. <laughs> More iconic shot. Yep. Through the framing. Also, a, a really good sense of. I mean, it's Kubrick, so it makes no. It makes perfect sense. But a really good sense of scale mm. and focus. Yeah. How. How the axe looks so massive and dangerous while she's crunched in the corner in the background doing her thing. Even though she should be the centerpiece of the thing, it's the axe that's doing all the scary parts. Ah, and there it is. Yeah. Here's Johnny. I love the sound he makes when she cuts his hand. He's like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. He makes <laughs> like that weird Leslie Nelson noise from Creepshow. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Like almost like a turkey. Yeah. It's very symbolic for the Native Americans. You know what I mean? Turkeys. Yeah. Back in action here. Like you've got the knife. Use that like a pickaxe to just get rid of the snow so you can go out the window to your little boy who's still outside by himself with no coat on. From a a woman's point of view, do you think she's trying to kill him at this time? Or do you think she's still trying to protect herself, hoping he'll come back to his senses? She's probably hoping that he comes back to his senses. You know, a lot of that makes, you know, having the child involved just makes it that much more difficult to have to deal with it. You know, because at the end of the day, that's ultimately still her kid's father. Right. And the kids for she, the kids kind of out of danger at this point in her mind. I always took it like she because she could have easily jumped around the corner and fucking stabbed him in the chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she wants to kill him. She still loves him. She might want to wound him a little bit. but <laughs> It's a Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. More like, Spielberg. I think, well, they were friendly. That's why when Kubrick died, Spielberg took over AI for him. Uh, and I want to say Spielberg's been on the record saying that the scene in Jurassic Park was influ- was influenced by this. Yeah, because, like, even, well, even with that scene where she locked him into that food pantry clo- like, closet, yeah. you know, Jurassic Park, it was just the freezer instead. And they're all confined in one place. It's like Jurassic Park in one man. Yeah. All the dinosaurs are one one human being. The Tyrannosaurus Rex is Jack Torrance. This guy traveled across the country to die. Fucking get chopped in the chest. Seriously, he put work in just to get fucking murdered. Murdered. And the impact of this axe is like, blew his fucking ribcage apart and annihilated his heart and lungs in all one swoop. Forget about it. Basically. Like what are you doing, half? When you see the, when you see this hit, try think about the damage. <laughs> like realistically, what happened? I don't want to think yeah. about the damage. I don't want to think about being committed with an axe at all. It'd be he'd just go right. I don't even think he'd have time to think about it. He just his legs would give out. It'd be over. 
Like in a movie, go ahead, do it, but not for real. <laughs> well, no, not for real. Nobody wants that for real. That's tough. I, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't picture that happening for real. But you know, there's some psycho out there that's done some shit like this. Oh, for sure. You'd I mean, it's fun. happened. We'd be surprised. There's, some, there's somebody getting an axe in their chest as we speak. For yeah, literally, probably. Amityville, the actual Amityville, New York story, is basically The Shining. Yeah. Ghosts telling some guy to kill his family, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, you drinking sparkling water? That's my dude over there. <laughs> yeah, basically. We, I love sparkling water. All right, we got a big chop coming. Mm-hmm. Creeping, creeping on the come up. You know, I, Scatman Crothers. His I really feel bad, huh? I so feel bad for him. You gotta, because he's a sweetheart. <laughs> And he's just coming to try and help. This is this right here is a good example of why you should never help anybody, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody yeah. out there listening. This is what happens when you try to help people. You get killed. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt with that image. This is what happens when you try to help. There it's it comes. Just, oh, it's it's like uh, I thought it, it's the last beam. It's the last beam. Yeah, or just before it. That red one he reaches out on the yeah, red. Yeah, there's a little mystery right there. It is. Oh, there it is. Fuck. Yeah, there'd be no. Ah! You'd just go down, I think. And then Danny's seeing it in his mind's eye. In the yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, you know. Oh. And then that look. Really his face. Right there. Yeah. That's demonic. Yeah, he looks like he's possessed right there. He's, he's completely. And then the now he's got over. a taste. Well, now he's got a taste for it. The way that he takes off with the limp. Uh, it's very scary because he, he he's ignoring his own pain to come cause pain to you. That's right. that horrifying thought. You know what I mean? Yep. I it, yep. Mm-hmm. He's straight driven by evil at this point, dude. His body's given up on him, but the evil within is pushing him forward. Yeah. Oh, here comes the fucking teddy bear blowjob scene, and she's like, "Oh, can't believe I'm not involved with that." <laughs> Well, at least she's got on the robe instead of that hideous corduroy dress. It's true. And then there's the... Is that Grady who who, who has the bloody head and goes, nice party? Is that supposed no. to be him from the bathroom or is that somebody else? No, it's somebody else. All right. Oh, yeah. oh there it is. Yeah. What a weird imagery, yeah. Yeah, seriously. And that dude's like, you didn't see anything. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Don't tell the pastor. Not only yeah. is this not my wife, but it's not a woman. Yeah. <laughs> right? Seriously. It's a different time. Taboo back then, yeah. If they were going to have homosexual sex, you had to put an animal fucking mask on first. It's okay. You don't have to do that anymore. If you did, that'd be a problem. <laughs> No, we, we, live in, fun. we live in a much freer society. Much freer open world. Do as do as I wish. The girl that cocaine. Yeah, I was Jack Nicholson just gonna fucking, say the same thing. That's his dressing room. <laughs> his dressing room right there. That's how the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the part people don't even understand. He wasn't even acting for the last half of the movie. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick just gave him a shitload of cocaine. And said, yeah, you're actually trying to kill them. And he was like, I'm in. 
Like, this kid is just so quick. Well, I mean, he's outside, then he's inside, then he's outside again, and you never see him do any of it. He's hauling ass. He's like, hell yeah, fuck this shit, I'm out. More steady cam. A lot of steady cam in this movie. He really, he really, he, he invented it, and then he just went with it mm. for so much. And this kid is like literally hauling ass through here, but like, little boy, you forget, you're running through snow, so he is going to be able to track you. Well, there's, you know, uh, there's camera trickery going on here. Yeah. A lot faster than it is. Let me sped it up a little. The lens it's choice. Still, it's still the, awesome the way they do it. They film oh, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. The le- but the lens choice, the height from the ground, like, there's there's a lot to make that look like it's going way faster than it actually is. It, it makes it more intense. Like, it's the right call. But, yeah, a lot of camera trickery. In the book, is it just a hit on the head and that's all it gets, or do they, they wound him in any other ways? This, 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 there's no wounding him. I always thought that he should have got stabbed or something to kind of help the fact of slowing him down and eventually dying. Well, the end of the book and the end of the movie are completely different. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really just like sum it up and say, oh no, he doesn't get hit on the head or this or that. Cause he, he still ends up dead. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Oh, poor bastard. Damn it, Scatman. You were an officer and a gentleman. That's true. As he faded out, he those girls were on his mind. There he is. Nice party. Killer party. <laughs> Looks like the blood-sucking freaks cover. A little bit, yeah. Just like The way she's running right now with that knife, Joe, I think that's the scariest thing other than that ash at the beginning of on his cigarettes. Yeah. That's the real suspense. Yeah. Is that Ash? Yep. When's it going to drop? <laughs> I've tried to do it. I can't. <laughs> they always fall. Like, when I smoke a cigarette, I purposely try to see how like long I can let it go before I ash it, and I can never get it to get to that. There's a trick. We in DJ Stan the Man, we had a scene where he was, fell asleep in the car. And the cigarette is supposed to burn out. And what you do is you take a paper clip and you stick the paper clip through the cigarette. So when it burns out, the paper clip still holds the ash in place. Oh, that's nice. kind of dope. Yeah, that's yeah. what we did. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's slick. We try. <laughs> and then that's just as slick as this dude walking backwards. Backwards, him. yeah. That's ballsy, too. You never know that's what's going to run That's smart for being that little. And everything he's been enduring throughout this entire, you know, course of the movie, mm. I wouldn't have been. In, I wouldn't have been like shit even now if I was doing that as an adult. You're not getting me thinking that clear if I'm that scared. He's got the shinning on his side. That's yeah. why. I don't think we'd stop though. I think again, dude, I'd throw myself through that fucking shrubbery just like the window. Hoof. Hoof. <laughs> I'd be even it, not, like, like, look at him. He's like on his hands and knees, backing up into it, and like wiping it out. He'd be fucking backwards. freezing up, dude. He'd be oh, freezing yeah. at this point. No matter how much adrenaline's running through him, dude, rolling around in the snow like that, gonna get you. Oh, here we go. The blood of all the souls. Mmm. That's the blood that the house drank. She looks great, and those those pale faced. <gasps> yeah, Black looks are great. 
on her. Yeah, that's why she got casted, probably. Oh, I think she got casted for the last thirty minutes of this movie. Period. Yeah, definitely, she really shows what she's got. You know, they say you know, you know the roles that are like when you get a lot. It's fucking emotionally exhausting. You know what I mean? Because of what she's doing, it's just that high fucking you get that anxiety for hours and upon hours and hours a day. It's mm-hmm. stressful for sure. Even, uh, this poor kid. There's, <laughs> a, there's a dedication that. Uh, maybe, uh, they're still today, but maybe, uh, I don't know, I'm a little outmatched, you know, there's a little more, I don't know, it's weird. I think, uh, the permanence of the film, of shooting on film, I think they were more likely to go out because each take really mattered more as opposed to like nowadays they just put everything in CGI and it'd be digital and stuff and it's not, you know. Yeah, take away from it a little bit. A little bit. But there's still actors and actresses that give their everything, of course, today. I mean, I mean, there's accrued costs to shooting on film that digital just doesn't have. So every take had to mean, had to count. Yeah. Because it wasn't just time that you were spending at that point. It was, it was literally money to, to shoot every take that you had. So you did have to go all in from take one. Yeah. Like, is it bad that I'm like, I'm freezing for that little boy? Because I you wonder, know by now his clothes are absolutely drenched. I wonder if this part was actual snow, the fake snow, or if this was like some like weird, you know, st- like crumbled up styrofoam type deal, you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, I mean, after playing out, being yeah, out yeah, in the snow, I was in this you're sh- going to be soaked, and this kid does not look like he's even or, remotely yeah. soaked. I could, I could be wrong, but I am fairly certain that this maze is a set. Yeah, I think it is. I th- I think the maze is a set. When they're actually in the maze, is a set. I don't think I don't think there's any fake wet snow going on here. I think yeah, is, I think this is like confetti environment. Yeah, styrofoam, fog machine, blue lighting. That's what that's a little like. bit of like I don't know. I mean, it's cast. I think styrofoam's like, a greenish deal. yellow glare. I think styrofoam is what they use. It's like broken up. Yeah. Looks, if you can crumble it up, it looks like snow. You paint, you paint it. You know the white, right? White, right, white. <laughs> you say that five times. Five. I know. I, I couldn't even do it once. There's a nice car, nice little snow beast. That could be fun to play around in. You ever see the um, Rhode Island? Supposedly they got the fucking truck from Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah. And then somebody showed me a picture of uh, in Rhode Island. Dave Langle, shout out Dave Langle, showed me a picture of the Dumb and Dumber van that was that's done up like a dog. Somebody had yeah. uh, somebody had that in Rhode Island too. Under a tarp, getting like fucking molded, looking like shit. It was like put that somewhere. It's probably. I mean, is it is it, is it the legit car from the movie, or is it just something that, like a replica? Yeah. You know, somebody trying to pass it off as it. I don't know. It could have been fake, but I thought it was real, and they weren't taking care of it. I know that, which was sad. Uh, yeah, because like if you have something like that, you know they didn't. You know that wasn't any chump change. That they spent a good amount of money to get that car. So why are I, you going to let it sit in your driveway and rot? I I feel like Dumb and Dumber is not a movie that you get a lot of replicas made of. Yeah. So it's probably the legit one. 
but still, why why invest into something that you're not going to take care of? Well, it, well, it might not be an investment, though. It might be somebody that was local that let them use, you know, their house or their factory for the movie. And so they like, gave it to them as like a trade type kind of, of deal. Instead of paying them, they're like, we're just going to throw this fucking car in the dumpster when we're done. Like, here's a car. You know what I mean? And now we're not yeah. going to pay you fucking 1500 bucks for your time. My dad was just telling me, too, like, the, like all the cars from, like, Mad Max were go, going up for sale for or auction or something. Yeah. This scene right here is area as fuck. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But I love all the memes in the winter from it. Of course. That's <laughs> frozen face. Yeah. There's teenagers that have seen that meme that don't even know what The Shining is. It, yeah. yeah, it's sad, isn't it? it is and sad. I think okay. I, I think this is the most haunting shot. The, yeah. The last shot. Yeah. Well, it lets you know where he is. It's kind of like letting you know that he's in he's in hell in some form. We've been in hell throughout this whole entire well, movie. It's also house, it's also that like final stamp on the whole thing to say, yeah, he, this wasn't in his head. Yeah, this. No, he just he too. he lived something. The afterlife would be terrible for him because they're all evil, and he failed his duty of bringing. They wanted his kid because he had the shining. So he, and he failed. So they're mm-hmm. probably not too good to him in that other world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd imagine he was, supposed to, he was supposed to bring him to them and fail. Yeah, that's what they wanted. They wanted that the, the shining power, which is what I like about the second the second part. How they dive more into that with the with the power. I really liked part the the, the part to the the doctor sleep. That chick with the hat, man, she is sexy as hell, and I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> oh, Rose, the yeah, hat, yeah. She she is and she was a perfect fit for it. That that was the whole thing was really well casted. Yeah. I I love that whole like Stevie Nicks vibe she had going. Yeah, that was a good vibe. It's when you get, get villains like that, it's very easy to fuck them up with how they talk or what they wear or you know what I mean. But I think they did a perfect job with her. <clears throat> Ain't that something? July, so July fourth, fourth of July. Yeah. So, so, so this is a holiday movie now. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Fourth of sure. July in the winter and Christmas. Yeah. Why not? All wrapped in the one. So fuck yeah, we 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 hightailed it through that whole movie. That was nice. We were originally only going to do half of it, but uh, we did the whole. It just thing. started flowing. Yeah, like it started, and that was the it was over before you realized it was over. You had to shine. You yeah. had to shine. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those movies, though, that, you know, like, once you get into it, and, like, the more you watch it, it does go by, that two hours or whatever it is does go by quickly. Two and a half, but, yeah, it flows pretty, once you get to a certain, like, that last half hour. It just ramps up. It just just builds and builds and builds and builds, and then it doesn't stop. It's like a fucking freight train. Slow builds, kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a little bit. yeah. But that's just the last ten minutes. It goes crazy. Well, yep. I, was about to, I was about to say this. This feels like more like if these were light switches, this would be one of those faders from the seventies. So like it just brings up the mood until it's too bright to look at. Like yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood, it's just a light switch. It's like it's dark, then all of a sudden, whoa! Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I'm with that. I'm with that completely. Well, folks, this was uh, the Shining masterpiece. You know what I mean? The Shining. Um, you guys want to say anything in closing on The Shining? Well, if anybody hasn't seen this movie, they really should check it out. But 
I don't really, you know, except for these little millennials. I don't know. <laughs> these little millennials. The horror fans that aren't horror fans? Yeah, the horror fans that aren't really horror are you, are you Are you telling me that there's people out there that exploit the horror genre so they can belong to a group of people? Yeah. The, the hell you say, sir. And, and that's the only thing they actually care Bite about is tongue. belonging to that group. Is that what you're trying to say? Bite your tongue. Like you know the, there's people out there like that. The hell you say. The I've hell you say. People. I've talked to those people. <laughs> They're a wild bunch. They're a wild bunch. Um, not the good wild bunch, but... Let's no, not the good wild bunch. Not Sam Peck and Paw type stuff. <laughs> uh, Shining. Um... This is a movie that I, I feel like it's a must-watch. Sure. For for just about everyone. And not just a must-watch for horror fans, but a must-watch for film fans. A must-watch for anybody who has any interest in reading the book. I feel like there is value now that in reading the book and watching the movie and, and sure. getting getting these two takes... Two very different takes on the same idea, and it, yeah. No, the more I watch it now, it makes me want to go back and re- reread the book. Yeah, and I mean, just if you're if you're a fan of film, if you're a student of film, if you love this stuff like we love this stuff, this is a movie. It, it has to be like in your top five must watches in your lifetime before you die. For sure, it's 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 up there with, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's up there with Jaws, The Exorcist, fucking Star Wars, Casablanca, mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind. Like the, yeah. the, the, there's just there's an essential list of films that really changed everything. Yeah, for their time, and The yeah. Shining is in that. And whether you approve or disapprove or have hated it and maybe warmed up to it later like I did um you can't deny that you can't deny the lightning rod that this film is just like some other horror films were not too far behind it yeah and I feel like it's an important piece of cinema and it's something that everyone should watch not to sound too pretentious or preposterous about it or pompous but it is it, it's it's not only just a great film, but a great study of film, and the things that you can achieve with very minimal going actually going on in the frame. Like that's that's the biggest achievement to me in the film is that the sets, while they architecturally elaborate, the color schemes are all very simple. Mm. Um. Yeah, he kept everything muted to not take away from the actors. Yeah, and, while they were going, and even the acting in the film, every 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 line, every frame is just perfectly executed. And he gave the production design gave them the room to let that shine, and it's it's a masterclass on in layers and layers and layers of the filmmaking process. And, yeah, yeah, you can learn a little. You can learn about every aspect of it yeah. just by watching like this one movie with the way they did a lot of it a lot of it all right i'm, I'm gonna wrap it up just everybody watch the fucking shining watch exactly it. what he said 
what he said. Yeah, go definitely check out The Shining Masterpiece. Read the book as well. Interchange back and forth. Like James said, the book's got stuff that the movie don't got. You know, and if I'd you say, have an opportunity, it's like one of those films too. If you have an opportunity to catch it on a big screen, whether it's a drive-in showing it or they re-show it in the theater, go yeah. and see it on the big screen too because it's well worth it. Menden sure. Menden Drive-in plays it at least once a year. They just did it last weekend. Yeah. There you go. We're not going to bring up Menden until they sponsor the show. <laughs> Sorry, a dri- a drive-in in a town in Massachusetts does it once a year. Menville. The Menville Drive-In. Yep, they Menville just Drive-In. I was so mad I couldn't go because, I, like I said, I haven't seen this on the big screen since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to catch some more drive-in experiences. That, they had a triple feature a couple, couple weeks ago. Really yeah, I remember uh, that, too, and I couldn't go to that one either. <laughs> we'll get one soon. We'll get one soon. But, yeah, anybody out there has never seen this film, go check out this film and then read the book. And by the time we're done with that, we'll be getting around to Mick Garris' TV version of The Shining. And then you can learn about that one, too. Yep. Well, thanks, everybody. You know, good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, we'll catch you all on the next episode of The Dead Kids of Derry. I'm Vicky Burroughs. I'm Nancy Paul Carter. We're all